Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. It's Tuesday, and you know what that means. Also joining us in studio, senior sports editor of the ODPH Podcast. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach, Coach Duffy. What is going on, everybody? What's happening? What is going on in the land of sports, you ask? Well, we're going to give you all that you need to know about, so definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our accounts and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. So let's kick off this edition talking about the week that was in the NFL, Week 16, and our locks and leaps. So, Pat, kick us off. Yeah, I'm going to start with my lock, and I believe this was also Coach's lock. Uh, We chose the Kansas City Chiefs to defeat the Atlanta Falcons, and this game was a lot closer than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be. Kansas City winning by the final score of 17-14. to Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 224-44 of for 278 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Matty Ice, uh, 27-35 of for 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? Well, this got me a lot of heat in the household this weekend. As Uh-oh. I told Aaron that the I had assumed Kansas City would just drop it on him. Oh, right? so did I. I, mean, I thought, why Why wouldn't they? Kansas City's offense, high-powered. Atlanta's defense is you know, neither here nor there, uh, showing up from time to time. Atlanta's offense is terrible. Atlanta's, so Atlanta's like, defense is in the concourse getting uh, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, yeah, so I was – well, it's Sunday, so they're closed. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I'm like, all right, this has got to be low-hanging fruit. I got Tyreek Hill on my fantasy team, carrying me for the last like seventeen weeks of the or fourteen weeks of the season. He's <laughs> absolutely going to put up you know another monster like forty point game, and Kansas City just decided, hey, you know what, we're going to phone this one in. Yeah, no, this was totally surprising, and I was busy on Sunday, so I was kind of keeping a close eye on not a close eye, but like a partial eye on things. And I turned around, and it was it was either halftime or like the start of the third, and I looked at it and going, holy shit, this game is tied! Like, what the fuck is going on here? This was such a shock, and Atlanta did Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, what, what else can you really say about this team? We always say it each week, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta's done. And then they pull off a game like this where they were actually winning at one point. Yeah. And, and competitive. And, yeah. And competitive. Yeah. And then the Chiefs decided to. Oh, wait, we're the Chiefs. Come back. Yeah, because obviously they knew that seeding for the playoffs was on the line. And they definitely wanted to establish that they want to be the number one seed going throughout, which they did, pulling off the W. Is this cause for alarm, though? Maybe no. a maybe a teeny bit. I no. Kansas City can flip it on and off. They, this is no. They've already shown that. Had they not have come back in that game against uh, uh, Tennessee in the divisional yeah. round yeah. of the playoffs, I'd be like, ooh, I don't know. Like that's a that maybe the wear and tear is starting to hang on them. But I mean, dude, they've shown that they can flip on a switch and just be like, all right, we're going to play Kansas City football again. I feel like, though, this, the, this game should have gone the way of like any of us playing Madden with the difficulty on rookie, mm-hmm. and you're putting up so many points that the game asks, you know, you seem to be having an easy time. Do you want to turn up the difficulty? You know, it just seemed like one of those games where, like, you know, maybe they were looking past Atlanta a little bit. Maybe they didn't take them as seriously as they needed to. I don't know. I don't know what it is because Atlanta, like we said, have been hot garbage this year, you know. 
the fact that Kansas City didn't run away with this surprises me a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's not anything that really needs to be a cause for concern. It was just something that I believe they fully were looking past Atlanta. And I can't blame them. Atlanta has been arguably one of the worst teams, if not the worst in the NFL. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the Jets, it'd be a clear-cut decision. But yeah. the Jets are the Jets. Enough said there. But for Atlanta, they decided to actually play this week. And they showed that they can have some talent on the side of the ball. But facing Kansas City, and it almost came down to another cardiac moment for Patrick Mahomes to really step up and win this game for him. Right. But even he admitted that this was not one of his best performances. Well, yeah. I mean, let's face it. They they know that they had the one seed locked. They're, they don't have to be any cause for concern. And they went out and just played a game that was, you know, not great, but not not terrible, you know. So, I mean... Here's Kansas City going into Week 17, playing the Chargers, who obviously are out, and they yep. already have the one seed and the the uh, first round bye. Now do the new playoff. So, what do they have to lose? Yeah, exactly. So this could have been a real trap game for them, but Kansas City pulled off the dub. They now have the number one seed locked up for the AFC, which is what they want, mm-hmm. and that's why even going into next week, there is no line on the yeah. uh, on the, li- the yeah. score against a. The Chargers because well, be, yeah, when nobody knows. Set everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, they might I can't not blame necessarily. Them. No, they'll play know, a series having, and be called it done. Yeah, it might be play a half because I yeah. mean, you got to think you are going to be sitting now for two weeks. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, I mean, that's a, it's that's a little a bit different. Yeah, when you're going to be the only team that sits, that's a little bit different than yeah the, the uh, you know the olden days where <laughs> two teams had a bye. Yeah, exactly. So enough said about this one. Going forward, Pat? Yeah, so looking at my leap, I decided to pick the Dallas Cowboys over the Philadelphia Eagles, and I was right uh, in that Dallas won the, by the final score of 37-17. to Andy Dalton, 22 of 30 for 377 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Jalen Hurts, uh, 21 of 39 for 342 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? I mean, what else? What can you say? You know, I mean... <laughs> you, you really can't say a lot about this. I know that Philly is... Not exactly the happiest place about how their team performed. And obviously there's a quarterback issue they're going to have to deal with, win, lose, or draw. Right. That as much as they want to say that Hurts is their guy moving forward, you still have Carson Wentz under contract for a lot of money. Uh, mm-hmm. crazy thing is they can't dump him either. Right. I mean, that's that's the wild part. I mean, yeah, I, I, it, Peterson came out after the game and said that Hurts had something bothering him in the second half, which kind of really limited – um, you know, his mobility and ability to stretch the field uh, and run, you know. Yeah. So that obviously is a, a problem in his game. But, I mean, Dallas, not to take anything away from them, have been playing really well. I mean, it's a really yeah. – it's an odd thing with, you know, obviously being the NFC East guy, it's just a really odd thing because, you know, the, there was a stretch where the Giants, you know, had three weeks of like, wow, this is really good football. And then right. Washington had a stretch of, wow, this is three weeks of really good football. And now here's Dallas – back-to-back weeks of playing really good football going into Sunday, you know, against the Giants with now they're right back in the division title picture. So, um, you know, and it was a matter of time till they kind of started clicking with Andy Dalton. I I definitely went, uh, oh, my God, Dak Prescott went down. Mm -hmm. You know, I – we all were like, oh, Andy Dalton came in. He played well against the Giants in that game. And we all thought he was going to be able to replace him. And for the most part – it was a slower start, but oh, yeah. they're starting to turn things around. 
You know, it was definitely a good game for Dallas in all facets. Ezekiel Elliott, 19 carries, 105 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Their receiving game, though, holy shit. Uh, Dalton was dropping, because I watched a bit of this game, Dalton was dropping some dimes in there. I mean, he had the yeah. one he had the one touchdown pass. I believe it was it was either one of the ones to two to Gallup or the one to C.D. Lamb that was, like, in the corner of the end zone that I just went, oh, my God. Because you look, Michael Gallup, six catches, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Amari Cooper, four catches, 121 yards, no touchdowns. C.D. Lamb, three catches, 65 yards, one touchdown. He Dalton was just dropping dimes to these guys. He was absolutely ripping the team apart, as he should, because Dalton, like we say, is a serviceable quarterback. Is he going to be the all-pro no. consistently? No, but he has those flashes of brilliance, and he picked apart a, a Philly team that is beat up and absolutely got Dallas the W they so desperately needed here because this still has NFC East title implications. I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, with, yeah. With this division, but it's true. And going to next week, it's a huge week for them. So there's three teams with varying degrees of help uh, that could win the NFC East. Well, yeah. I mean, the crazy thing is, and I don't know what the NFL is not doing here, but I mean, you would think the Washington game would be the 4 o'clock game. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And then the Giants-Cowboy game, being the fact that it is the Giants and Cowboys, who in the last umpteen thousands of years have not only played week one against each other but have played in either a thursday night sunday night or monday night slot that they have not had this year and i know that obviously the giants weren't the giants of old you know when they were getting that prime time slot against the cowboys but it's still giants cowboys it's still headlines yeah it's still headlines and now this is giants cowboys for the division so like with some help yeah. yeah i mean if washington loses you now have arguably what would be the most watched game on the East Coast and, you know, most of whatever Texas, not to mention, quote, unquote, America's team. Yeah. So, like, who knows, you know, the various Cowboys fans throughout the land, you right. know, would be flipping this game on if it was right. at 8 o'clock. I mean, the ratings would be through the roof. Well, so shit, even I'd watch. Yeah, yeah, but instead now you have them playing at 1, and then the Washington Eagle game is yeah. at 8. Yeah, which I'm more puzzled by unless they're trying to say Washington was the better record. Like, I don't know. Like, I can't wrap my head around this. I agree with you. I think that Dallas and the Giants should have been the 8 o'clock game. I, I think that part of it is that they want to keep – you know, it was just easier, obviously, not to flex anything else mm-hmm. because Fox does have the right to protect the game yeah. anyway. Right, so right. You know what are you well, gonna do? And you got to figure that if if this was the original schedule with Washington and, and Philly playing at the eight o'clock game, that the NFL figured, all right, that we're just pencil. We're not putting this in pen. We're penciling this in, figuring that by that point there will be some other matchup that's going to be a lot more sexy and a lot better for ratings that we can just flex this out of and flex it to one o'clock or something and put that in place. But then they turn around and here's you know Washington with a chance to win the division. You're like, oh wait, maybe not. Yeah, it's real puzzling about how their decision is about flexing the games, but. It is going to be box office on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. But for Dallas, this is a much-needed win that they needed, obviously, to stay in contention for the NFC East. Oh, yeah. This is where the headlines are drawn in because with the Giants right there with them, and the winner is arguably going to win the NFC East. It depends on the luck, what goes on with Washington, because you don't know since they just released Dwayne Haskins out of the blue. So there's so much flux going on with the NFC East, except Philly is now going to be the one outside looking in. So they could just play spoiler if they want to, but you really don't know the temp in the room in Philly because everybody was so high on Jalen Hurts taking over from Carson Wentz. Now it kind of seems like everybody's flipping their opinions. 
And, I mean, what do you know what's going to happen with them in the offseason? Well, I, I, I mean, the w- first thing is they got to find a destination for Carson Wentz. Yeah, right. Which, I Good mean, luck. Well, I mean, I know a team in the Boston area that might be looking for a quarterback. They're not going to take up that contract. That, yeah, con- that contract, contract kicks, it, kicks in next year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, yeah, they got to find a partner to take that on, um, which will be a problem. I mean, Carson Wentz can always restructure. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's not anything outside of the realm of possibility because yeah. if he, I mean, the reports in the locker room, you know, both the, obviously both sides have been reported, but the, the loudest one has been his desperation to get out. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, sure. you know, if that's the case, then. Then he could definitely be the one that's going to be the headline for them in the offseason because he, right. ha- he has to go somewhere. You can't keep him there. What, no. that's, what, what, will, what will he be willing to do to get out? Because that's the question. Because if the other side of the rumor has been, no, you know, he's willing to stay. But at the same time, is Philly willing? No, Philly's not going to be willing to pay a backup quarterback that amount of money. Or so should they? Yeah. Flynn money. Yeah, yeah. That, so, you know, obviously, if they look to remove, if they look to move him and he wants to play, I, the, the play is, you know, if you want to play somewhere, you're going to have to restructure this deal, which I think ultimately, if he wants, if Carson Wentz wants to be a starter, then he knows he's going to have to do that. I don't think he moves until maybe after the draft where you might have a team that was looking to pick up a quarterback in the draft and just for whatever reason. Oh, for sure. They didn't, they didn't get the guy they wanted you know got picked ahead of him whatever that's when you'll see him move yeah no it won't be it won't be during free agency because nobody's worried about that but it's definitely going to be because i mean a a good um way to show that is new england yeah everybody pegged him quarterback 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 Mm -hmm. quarterback every round was this guy's available this quarterback's available this quarterback's available every single round every single round they took somebody else so this is the draft that you know if they don't take somebody then if a quarterback's available post-draft, it has to be. I, right. get, I got it. I know where he's going. Miami. He's going Jacksonville. Yeah, no, He's, he's going to be the one to mentor Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> it's going to happen. They oh got the God. cap space. They're, oh, my God. I, I see – because I'm seeing the writing on the wall right now. No, because they're going to play Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean – Well, they should. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, okay, what, what they should do and Trevor what they will Lawrence, do. Trevor Lawrence is going to be making weekly appearances on AEW Dynamite. Yeah. yeah no, they're I'll, crazy. That's going to be – yeah, he's going to be in the press box all the time. Yeah, but yeah. I don't doubt once being somehow connected to him. I just – I foresee this because Jacksonville's got the cap space. No, I – if he goes anywhere, and if they do make that, it's gonna be that, that would be like an NBA trade. Oh yeah, I agree. You know that would be like them tying Carson Wentz in a first round pick to to uh, Jacksonville. Like that's the only way Jacksonville would take that trade. Yeah, that's the only way they so should no, take it. There's no way. I, you don't think so, but it's like it's gonna be the big headline for the offseason for the Eagles because they're the ones on the outside looking in now. Can they play spoiler? Sure. Do I think they're going to? Well, we'll talk about that a little later in the show. There's another team that could really pick them up if he wanted to. They have just a little bit less cap space next year than the Jags, uh, the New York Jets, 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 Jets. Oh, could you only imagine? They got they got eighty according to Spotrack.com. Uh, they've got eighty one point six million dollars in cap space next year. I mean, now that Gase won. No, I mean, I, he, I, Sam, I think Sam Darnold's the guy there. I think that whoever or whatever regime comes in next, if Gase does get fired, which you have to presume he does, yeah, there's no way that they're moving on from Darnold. I think that he's shown enough that people are, are satisfied with what they've seen that they'll just... Just get him something other than a 37-year-old running back around him. Right. I mean, th- that's what they're going to do. This, I think actually going into this draft, the Jets have positioned themselves well to say, all right, we have a franchise quarterback, unlike the other team in New York, like the Giants. Like, they are in a, in a juxtaposition right now because, I mean, I know that I've been Daniel Jones, pro-Daniel Jones, 
but the, these recent performances have not been great. It's like if they, all right, if they fire Gettleman and Joe Judge goes into this offseason with, you know, if Justin Fields, for example, just falls because of that's where the chips fall, that's going to be an interesting position for the Giants to be in because what do you do there? You know, right. I mean, I would hope that if, uh, you know, one of, one of the two wide receivers from Alabama is available, right. like that's the route that you go. And I know I'm, I'm getting off where we were, but like, that's just where I go. I, no. I will talk to the Giants in the, our two-minute drive. Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. Because I just, I mean, it's just such a the, – the NFL right now with these teams that are, you know, like New England losing. Yeah. Like they now they now have put themselves in a position where like – I think last I looked they're like 13th. Yeah. Yeah. And they – well, they fell three spots yeah. by that loss. Yeah. So like they're in a hell of a position here because now what do they do, you know? Exactly. I mean, there's so many storylines you can take from Week 16 and just the losses that uh, come with facing division rivals and such. That I mean, for the NFC East especially, this is going to be a, a domino effect because however the Dallas Giants game plays out is going to have big implications. However, Washington-Philly does, and then we're talking about drafts. It's just, it's just <laughs> crazy to me that they literally, those two teams are going to play at one and have to wait a full... Third, like full seven hours. It's a seven hour wait. Yeah. Seven hours to like figure out whether they're in or out. It's the craziness of the NFL. You know, well, it's just I understand that Fox can protect the game, but it's just like, what? Why? Well, you know, what are you doing? Like, just give the people what they want. Like, you're playing this game at one, Fox. Like, you obviously aren't moving your game to four, which you could right. easily do. Right. Like, mm-hmm. just give the people what they want. Just let. Let let NBC flip the game. Yeah, it's what they should do, but we'll just kind of have to wait. To now see what's I'm going stuck on. listening to fucking Troy Aikman. Hello, back when I used to play in Meadowland Stadium, oh, the Giants used to have turf, and we used to just run Emmett Smith right and left. Oh, damn. That's what I'm gonna have to hear for four hours. Say what you feel, Coach. Dude, come on. Like yeah. You don't have to deal with it. I like, know I don't. <laughs> like You get Tony Romo and fucking Phil Simms, and like they, they're peak. You know, they're, they're and Nance and all them. Like You get good color play and play-by-play guys. I get stuck with Joe Buck <laughs> and fucking Troy Aikman the entire four hours of football game. That's what you just put it's on It's almost mute. as bad as Vilma, which was awful again last yeah, week. Yeah, Jonathan Vilma was not good. Dude, it's so brutal. It's tough. Fox definitely needs to go back and reevaluate what they are doing for the broadcast teams because it is tough being an NFC fan. It definitely is. All right, and one game that was very tough too. I mean, we'll get to your lead here because we we covered the lot. You got me off. No, it's all right because this is is the free base conversation (laughs) we do here on the ODP. You have no idea. Like I listen, I watch the CBS game of the week just so I can watch Romo. Yeah, sure. Like I don't even. I have no care. I mean, I'm cheering for the Bills. Because yeah. I think, and here's another funny thing I want to bring up to you, Ken. How is it just the most oddest thing in the world for you being the Bills fan that every single like NFC, AFC East people, like the especially the New England people, are like, yeah, you know, if the Bills win, they win. You know, like does that not does that anger you no. or does that make you happy? It makes me happy. I mean, not to get too sidetracked here, but because I would be kind of like you know a little felt disrespected. Because, like, you know, you're the little brother, but, like... Here, here's, here's my reason why before we jump into the Seattle Rams game. With the Bills, we got our asses kicked. For years! For years. Years! And had we beaten Brady and Belichick... One time. Yeah, just like if, if, we, if we did the sweep. 
then I would say, okay, we got a little leg to stand on. Right. We knew New England was going to be in transition phase. Oh, yeah. They got nobody on offense. They got nobody on defense. Right. So I can't get that upset about sure. it. Sure. And that's why I kind of sit back and when New England fans are like, oh, the Bills be you know, in nonchalant. Yeah, because. But, I mean, I'm more saying, like, Patriot fans, and I don't know about you, Pad, but, like, you know, you see, like, uh, the Barstool guys and all them talking, and they're like, yeah, I'm rooting for the like I'm oh, I'm a New England fan, but I'm openly rooting for the the Bills, and I'm like, I couldn't. I was talking to somebody else about this. I could never openly root for any like when the Eagles and New England played in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I definitely was not rooting for Philly because I'd like to see him do well. That's I'm, nuts. I'm not rooting for him, but I right. like, But for, for fans like Ken's sake and some of the folks I know, sure, who it's been you know years of just bad. I'd like to see him do well, but you're not going to see well, come playoff time. You're not going to see me sitting here rooting for the Bills to defeat whoever the hell they're going to play. I'm like, okay, if they win, cool. Yeah, like it is what it is. You know, I I did. I'll be honest with you. I didn't even watch the game last night because. And my dad asked me if I was going to watch the game. I'm like, no. I was like, I know how this is going to go. I go, sure. I go. We're going to get our asses handed to us. Right. Well, I mean, I just it's so funny. Like it's such an interesting fi- fan dynamic between Patriot and Bills fans because, like, all the ones that I've seen have all been, like, this view of the Patriots being the big brother to to Buffalo that now that Buffalo has some success, they're like, ho-hum, yeah, great for Buffalo. But, like, and as an NFC East guy, like, when Philly made it to the Super Bowl, I was like, no, this is my worst nightmare. Like, if Dallas ever made a run, I would probably cry. I would be be livid. Here's the thing, though. If Buffalo makes it, Congratulations to them. I've I've had the opportunity to watch and win six of them in my Would lifetime. You? So if the if they get there, cool. If, if Buffalo was playing any NFC team. Fill in the blank. Uh-huh. Who would you would you cheer for the, any NFC team, or would it be the Bills? I'd be down the middle. I, w- I wouldn't care who won. Okay, I'd be like, all right, whoever wins wins. It's it's kind of how I who was it last year it was it was uh, Kansas City, Kansas City and Frisco. 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 I was like, oh, I was rooting more for Kansas City, but that wasn't because I hated Frisco. That was some other uh, other reasons that I won't get into on air that I didn't want to see. Uh, and Ken knows why. Yeah, I know why. We're not talking on that. You know, We're not buying Patreon yet. There, there's somebody we know who is a very diehard Niners fan and would have been up fucking noxious till now about the fact that for the 49ers. So that was the only reason I was rooting against the 49ers. No, if Buffalo gets there and it's, you know, Buffalo, I, I, God, I hope it'd be Buffalo, Seattle, because. Good God, get the tables. Oh, you know, Ken versus no, dog. between Ken and Dog, get the goddamn Jesus. tables. You know, no, if, if Buffalo gets there, I'm be like, all right, I root for a good game. I'm usually a conference guy. Yeah. I always, if but not when Philly was playing New England. I was like, fuck that, go New England. Yeah, like for me, I I don't openly root for the Patriots to win when they were in the well, Super Bowl. Well, you can't. Yeah. You no, because, like, you know. Division, yeah. Yeah, because it's division, I couldn't. And like, and they did it so many times, and you just watched. Well, what are you going to say? just took it. What are you going <laughs> to, like, what are you going to say? Because, I'm right. Yeah, that's the hey, whole thing. Hey, I had to suffer through Dallas for five years. Exactly. So, I don't really have a ground to stand on against Patriots fans, and but it kills me when Bills fans are, like, just completely saying, oh, we swept New England. It's like, stop. Like, right. Listen, pump the brakes. Yeah. Had we beat Brady and Belichick? If if the nine or ten guys who were starters and and Pro Bowlers had been on defense, then it would be something. You know, yeah, the, that's the, the, whole da- thing. the Dante Hightowers and the Patrick Chungs and the and the what have you the on defense that opted out of the season because of the pandemic. Then it's something you can sit there and sure. go, "Holy shit, we beat the Patriots in the in the defense." But yeah, you beat them. Congratulations. Yeah. But it's it's not the team you normally would have faced in a normal year. The Bills are a good team. They should yeah. beat the teams that are not as yeah, good. Right. And then it's it's just facts. It's all right, not let's a get to my talk. I just wanted to know. No, I was that, curious. No, that that is completely all right because you had the same lock as Pat, so this was yep. kind of a good little segue yeah. to break in. 
because now we got to jump back into those leaps. Yep. And you took the Rams yes. against Seattle and Pat. How'd that wind up? Uh, not well for him. Seattle ended up winning by the final score of 20-9. Russell Wilson, 20 of 32 for 225 yards passing. One touchdown, no interceptions. Jared Goff, 24 of 43 for 234 yards passing. No touchdowns. <laughs> yes. Uh, no touchdowns, one interception. Coach, your thoughts. So here was my, my logic going into this. A, the leap sucked. Mm-hmm. So it was tough. Facts. Tough week. Secondly, I was going against two stats. The one stat of Seattle has not lost uh, to a division opponent twice since Russell Wilson's played. Right. Interesting. Okay? So that was stat number one. Stat number two was the Rams had not lost back-to-back games all year and had won and covered off of every loss this year. Mm. So I thought to myself, which stat will be more prevalent? Well, I've already seen that Seattle can lose at home to a bad football team with the Giants. So, I le- I leaned Rams, and well, Jared Goff decided to break his thumb on somebody's helmet. Silly move by you. Yeah. <laughs> why Why did you throw your arm into that helmet, Jared Goff? I'll never understand. Yeah. Uh, surgery today, I believe. So, Ouch. Yeah, he's done for the year, and I mean, obviously, the Rams season's done for the year. Right. So, and Seattle, that was a big, desperate, needed win for Seattle. Uh huh. So now they're. I feel like back on track. You know, I, I don't think there was any way that Pete Carroll and, and the entire coaching staff up in Seattle was going to let Seattle lose this one just because, like you mentioned, they're still fighting in it, you know, for seeding and what have you in the NFC. While, yes, uh, Green Bay, New Orleans, and Seattle have won their division, that first round or that f- number one seed is still up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing is set. They're like, they're still very much in that. And Pete Carroll knows that, and Russell Wilson knows that, and everybody knows. So they're, you knew they were giving him some extra motive, like, hey, we cannot screw this up. Right. We need this number one seed. We need to go out there and just put a whooping on on the Rams and come out with a win. So you knew. You, I had a feeling they were going to win. Yeah, I had an idea they were going to hang in there. I mean, Seattle is a very tricky team this year. I think yeah. that they're playing at a high level, but some weeks you don't know what you're going to get out of them. That fucking Giants loss looks so bad now yeah i mean yeah. it looks egregious yeah no i fully agree with you and then flip the coin to the rams obviously jared goff getting hurt that plays a big factor but yeah. the rams are the rams inconsistency is their middle name because every week we don't know what the hell we're going to get out of them are they offensive a- juggernaut and then they put up three points in yes. the Super Bowl or zero points in the super Bowl. so it's like how do you define them I mean, I'm not saying they're on an Atlanta level just yet. No. Because, I mean, Atlanta is just completely on a they whole at least, different They at least have an offensive identity. Right. So when the Rams can't get their ball going, it's going to be a long day. And the Seattle, I give them credit because they hung in there. Obviously, when it was 6-6 at halftime, they needed to step their game up. And obviously, being at home, they're going to definitely do yeah. that. So this was a pretty paint-by-numbers to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I just... I, I really thought I was leaning towards that stat, not losing back-to-back games. Mm-hmm. Going to Seattle, I thought they would be up for that game. And, you know, Aaron Darnold would be able to terrorize that uh, that Seattle offensive line and just didn't happen. Well, and especially it's it's even footing in Seattle for everybody this year with no fans being in attendance. And, yeah, they're pumping in crowd noise, but it's nowhere. It's like half the normal decibels that you would hear in a Seattle game. I think Seattle game is normally like over 110, 120 or whatever it is. It's it's capped at seventy decibels. It's so some weird thing, but that. but so it, it's Seattle isn't as loud as it normally is. So it's kind of an even playing field, unlike most years. Yeah, which if you can take the twelfth man out per yeah. se, I mean, yeah. put an asterisk by it because obviously with everything with COVID and such, you got to remember that. But with everything involved, it's going to be a little tricky. So for Seattle, still put 
a home field advantage on and definitely step up for this, it's a huge win for them. Yeah. And obviously one they needed in that NFC West. To flip the coin, though, to the other teams in the NFC West, Pad. Yeah, so you chose the San Francisco 49ers to uh, defeat the Arizona Cardinals, which they did by the final score of 20-12. C.J. Bethard, uh, 13 of 22 for 182 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Kyler Murray, 31 of 50 for 247 yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception. Coach, your thoughts? Uh, Well, that was Bethard's first win as a starting quarterback. Good for him. Yes, congratulations. congratulations. Uh, dude, I, w- w- Arizona, Queensberry, like what is going on? I yeah. mean, for being this offensive, you know, juggernaut that you're supposed to have, you know, DeAndre Hopkins in the fold, Kyler Murray, you know, uh, emergence as a, you know, perennial Pro Bowl style quarterback, mm-hmm. dual threat quarterback. You know the, you know the running, the other wide receiver. You know Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Christian Kirk. You know you got all these weapons offensively. Uh, you know obviously the running backs too, and Kenyon Drake. You know and just abysmal performance. Now I know defensively, you know they're not great, but again this just stems to you know these team these guys that lend themselves as being these quote unquote offensive gurus. But you can't forget. You're the head coach, my guy. Right. Yeah. And you know what? His record now at, at Texas Tech is is showing here. Yeah. Because he's just not they just they A are inconsistent, defensively suspect, and overall game plan wise, a bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this was a, definitely a loss that Arizona did not need. 49ers are playing with house money. They're up there in 11th place in the NFC conference. They're already eliminated. And in Arizona, this was a loss they did not need because, as we record, they're currently sitting in uh, eighth place with the same record as the Bears. The Bears own a tiebreaker uh, tie over Arizona based on best win percentage in common games. So flip the script and let's just say Arizona win. Instead of being in eighth place, you would have been, however they break it down, either behind or ahead of the L.A. Rams who are in the sixth seed at nine and six. So and, and you would have had yourself a little bit more padding. You wouldn't have been a little bit worried. You know, oh, we got we absolutely have to win on Sunday to make it into the playoffs. Now you're sitting here going, well, shit, we absolutely got to win. Yeah, Arizona definitely took a bad loss here, in my opinion. That Frisco, for as banged up as they are, and let's face it, that's been the story of them this entire year, they definitely have been scrapping away. George Kittle coming back, though, for this, I mean, four catches for 92 yards, that's a huge offensive weapon that Beathard needed. Yeah. So going in with that, you knew there was going to be tough division games. I always yeah. say you never uh, overthink your rivals because they sit there and they're studying you twice a year. Arizona, man, I try figuring this team out, and I got nothing. Is it Kingsbury's getting figured out? No, That's, I don't even. I don't even think it's that. I just think that he, it's a, a system of a guy who went into an interview, who just wooed and wowed, you know, in the interview process, mm-hmm. and was rushed to a head coaching, you know, job. And you know, Kellen Moore was on that fast track too of somebody that just didn't have any uh, consistency or any, you know, real credibility behind him and was going to get fast-tracked to a head coaching position until, you know, obviously Dallas paid him a lot of money to keep him as an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, and that this is the same thing here. I mean, this guy did not have the track record at, uh, you know, a Big 12 school right? Um, to show, you know, that he had any sort of things to be a head coach, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the fact that Matt Rule, you know, at least for as bad as the time was at Baylor, built the um, Temple program. Right. So he had at least 
um, a body of work that showed, hey, you know, I have the ability to build a program. And when he went to Baylor, although they weren't great defensively, still had a pretty good offense. So it's like now on the flip side of this, you have this guy who went in, had a great interview, said, hey, these are the things that I'm going to be able to do if we go out and get Kyler Murray. You know, I'm going to be able to instill my offense. I'm going to bring my offense to the NFL. It's going to be exciting. Mm -hmm. But neglected the defensive side. And obviously they went out and got Isaiah Simmons uh, to, you know, be a defensive cornerstone piece. Uh, Chandler Jones going down for the year obviously kills them as far as a pass rush. But, you know, they went out and they got Isaiah Simmons. And the problem with Isaiah Simmons is they just – they haven't figured out the niche to put him in. Mm-hmm. You know, they've they've played him at all the different positions. But, I mean, what this guy should be doing is it should be, you know, uh, first and ten, you know, as a safety or if they're coming out in the nickel, you know, or if they're coming out in three wide receiver sets, then running him as the nickel and using him as an outside linebacker sparingly because in the NFL, he's not this, you know, he, his speed is outweighed by the size of, of these guys as offensive linemen. Yeah. You know, in college, when you're at Clemson and you're playing inside linebacker against Duke, whose starting guard is 6'2, 295, yeah, you're going to, or three, you know, maybe 320 or whatever, like you're going to be able to, to use your speed to get around him, you know? Mm. That's not the same when you're, you know, playing inside linebacker and the guard that you're playing against just ran like a 4440. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like your speed is not going to outweigh their speed and strength. Right. So they've just they haven't been able to to fine tune him and you know their secondary is great. That I can't take away from, but it's the front seven that that's the problem for them. You know, I just can't figure this this Arizona team out because it almost seems like they're getting lucky with their wins. Because you go back and you look at the record, okay, first they beat uh, San Francisco, and then they beat Washington. You know, at the time, two pretty good wins. Then they lost back-to-back games against Detroit and Carolina. Then they uh, won three in a row, beating the Jets, Dallas, and then Seattle. So, you know, a couple good teams there. Uh, they lost to Miami coming out of the bye week. They beat Buffalo uh, at home. Uh, and then they lost to Seattle, lost to New England, lost to the Rams, beat the Giants and the Eagles, and then just lost to San Francisco. So it's like, it's not even a case of like, okay, you're you're an okay team. You're not great. You're not mediocre. You're beating the teams you should. But you know what? You're just coming close against a couple of them. Like, you've beaten Seattle. You've beaten Dallas. You've beaten, you know, the 49ers, which at the start of the year, obviously, then a different story. Different story. But then and you beat Buffalo, who's very good this year. But then you go and you you lose to New England, who's fucking hot garbage this year. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they're very inconsistent as well. Like they're almost like the other side of the coin to the Rams, yeah, to a degree. Yeah, I mean, well, the Giants, that Giants win again. I mean, although it was a, a pretty dominant performance, I think just shows that the Giants obviously were on the regression here of what was going to be coming, and the other wins that they've had, they've played, they played well in the win. You know, outside the Buffalo, yeah, that was the right. one where it was like, well, and I know Buffalo, you know, uh, Cardinal fans or whoever are going to go, oh, well, they, you know, we they got Buffalo fans, oh, they got lucky because the Hail Mary, they still kept in it. If it wasn't for bad play calling in the fourth quarter, it would oh be yeah, a totally different game. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the first one to admit that. But I say with the Arizona, they're still going through those growing pains, and yep. it's showing. Yep. And then what their identity is going to be next season. Because I, I don't know if they're going to be able to swing in the playoffs. I thought they were going to be a lock a couple weeks ago, but it's gonna be tough. I think it's going to be a definite leap, though. My problem is going to be is can Kingsbury lead this team deep for a playoff run? Yeah. You know, like in crunch time, is he going to be able to, to do the things necessary as a head coach that, that they needs to be done? Because if not, 
then they need to go and get a defensive coordinator who is like a, you know, like a Romeo Cornell, like a former head coach defensive coordinator that can I'm going to handle like I can't remember there was there was a coach who recently did that. He's like I'm an offensive guy. Yeah. I'm handling that. The defense is you, you know, and yeah. I can't I can't remember what you know coach did that. Um but somebody did that recently. But that's what almost Arizona feels like it needs to do, which doesn't work, mind you, but you know that yeah. I think that's what they're setting themselves up for. Arizona's got a, I think, got a shot to make the playoffs, but that's just because uh, they are playing. I lost here. I, they're, I believe they're playing the Rams next week. Yeah, everybody's facing the division they're, next week. They're, yeah, they're playing the Rams. So you know the Rams are just two spots ahead of them. Like I mentioned, the sixth seed, seventh seed is Chicago, who is playing Green Bay at home in in Chicago this weekend. And Green Bay, like we said, still fighting for that number one playoff seed. They ain't benching nobody. No, Green Bay has, I mean, it's, Green Bay has it wrapped up because they have the tiebreaker against New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So it literally takes, because I was watching the NBC pre-show with the guy from MSNBC. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the way. So um, they they pretty much have it wrapped up. Like, it literally will take a miracle for Green Bay to not have it. Like it has to like the stars have to align. Jupiter has to be in its retro uh retrograde. rotation. Retrograde, yeah. And then um they have to pass the two thousand dollar stimulus check in the Senate. That's the yeah. only way that this happens. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. Yeah. On paper there's always a chance. <laughs> Arizona's finding out the hard way. As we flip the coins to the other game we're gonna talk about, they're also hanging on by a thread. Yeah. And I had just break this down because I have a rant to go on as soon so, as we get done. So yeah, I believe you chose the Raiders to defeat the Miami Dolphins. Oh, I did. And the Miami Dolphins ended up winning by the final score of twenty six to twenty five. I, I bet you, you and I are going to have differentiating opinions, though. Ryan, Fitz- I think I know where you're going. Ryan Fitzpatrick, nine of thirteen for one hundred and eighty two yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Tua, seventeen of twenty two for ninety four yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Derek Carr, uh, twenty one of thirty four for three hundred and thirty six yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. And the thoughts views and opinions upcoming are that of Ken M and do not necessarily reflect that of the ODPH listener discretion might be advised coach I'm gonna let you get well the I mean first. hold on are you going to or are you going the last Raider drive oh I'm going to oh all right then we're not on the same page because I thought the Raiders played that correctly I the only thing that I wish that the Raiders would have done and I guess this is for people who might not have seen the highlights or whatever uh the Raiders got the ball back with I don't know like 220 left to go in the fourth Give quarter. Give take, yeah. Yeah, and they drove down the field pretty decisively. Uh were able to get it to I think about to the 3 or 4 yard line and had uh, Miami used all their timeouts mm-hmm. to end that and then they had the ability to run one more play um which would have forced Miami to use that last said timeout um, or try and score a touchdown, and it was second down. So they decided to kneel it to force Miami to use that last timeout, which left about 40 seconds left to go on the clock or so. Because yeah, I think A uh, minute I, five. Oh, shit, I'm way off on my time. So a minute five. Um, they kicked the field goal, and I think there was under a minute left, right? Uh, so, because I pulled up the play-by-play on ESPN.com. Okay. Uh, so it was third and goal at the Miami one-yard line. One minute and five seconds left. Derek Carr kneels to Miami for Miami four-yard line for minus three yards. Next play was uh, Vegas took a timeout with 23 seconds left. Oh, okay. So Vegas let the clock. So Miami did use their last timeout on the third down play. Yeah, my, um, or yeah, yeah, they did. So... What else can you do? You know, you leave a team 23 seconds left to go on the clock. Yeah. And 
you kick the game winning field goal and you think, all right, you know, we're gonna we're gonna pooch kick this, right? So they have to retry and return it. Well, they booted it through through the end zone, which was not the correct. That was a dumb call. Um, Because you should have pooched it to try and get them to recover the ball so they had to make, you know, the clock run a little bit. Instead, they kick it out for um, a touchback, which brings it up to the 25-yard line. 35. 35. Mm Mm-hmm. What? 25. 25. Yeah, you're right. Oh, God. So they bring it out to the 25-yard line, a couple incomplete passes. Then Fitzpatrick throws... Fitz Magic. Well, yeah, Fitzpatrick comes out, uh, throws a pass to Hollins, uh, get thirty-four yard pass. Uh, there was a penalty on Vegas face mask or, or illegal rough, hands. Or no, it was roughing the passer, roughing the passer. fifteen yards, which was enforced at the Vegas forty-one. Uh, then you had an incomplete pass. Uh, then he came, and then the, uh, the next play was a forty-four yard field goal. So basically, had that illegal or the roughing the passer not have happened yeah it would have been at the 40 yard 41 yard line which would have been, which was still a bad play to give up i mean the yeah, raiders no, is an awful play the raiders up. secondary has been decimated by injuries which was not talked about on this broadcast but was talked about the week prior about how they had literally signed a guy from i think the the bills uh the bills practice squad. squad i think so who, yeah who was a converted safety who they were playing at corner yeah because that's how desperate they were so like that's tough you know, obviously they give up that big play. the The roughing the passer was just dumb. Yeah. So now you're setting yourself up really for failure, and then, you know, now Fitzpatrick, you know, got to pull Fitz Magic out again and yeah. <laughs> look the hero. You know. So where I'm going with this? Okay. I thought you were going to say them not scoring the game winning touchdown. No, no, I, no, I, I, back, I, I, I know where he's going with this. Yeah, I, I know, I know now too. Yeah, I actually had no issue with it. I thought the okay. Raiders played it fine. Okay, I thought they did too, and obviously with how banged up their secondary is, I did not have any issue with it. I thought the roughing the passer call was kind of garbage too. No, it was roughing the passer. But I mean, he, but uh, but uh, this goes to his neck. yeah, this goes where I'm saying this quote just has irked me. Okay, and this was. I'm reading via uh, the Finsider uh, to be official. So this is the SB Nation page okay. that is talking uh, all things Miami Dolphins. And this is coming in about how Ryan Fitzpatrick has to jump in yet again to save Tua. Sure. So this is the quote. We felt, quote, we felt like we needed a spark trying to win the game, head coach Brian Flores said after the Dolphins beat the Raiders. If we got to go to our relief pitcher in the ninth, then that's what we'll do. Fitz is always ready. He went in and moved the ball for us. He has contributions from a lot of guys. Gaskins played well. Mac Holland, uh, good catch at the end. We were able to make plays to win. But Tua is still the starter. Okay. Okay, so this is my issue that I got with this. All right. Tua's stat line for this game. Pat, do you have it ready or no? Yep, 17 of 22, 94 yards passing, average of 4.3 yards per pass, one touchdown, no interceptions, uh, sacked three times for 23 yards, QBR of 63.5, and a rating of 99.4. So this is your rookie quarterback that is coming in, your number one draft pick that you took. Your messiah. Yeah, your Daniel Jones wanted so to be. Well, you're, not you're, even to well, the, gra- the greatest Miami Jesus. quarterback not named Dan Marino. Yeah, yeah. You've now pulled him. Don't pull Daniel Jones into your rant. He didn't do anything wrong here. He kind of t- <laughs> no, I was going to say, I just want to get you angry. All right. You pull him yet again for Ryan Fitzpatrick, the guy that was actually keeping you in playoff contention oh, early oh, in the season. Oh, Fitzmagic. And yet now you make the, the, the quote right there that if we have to go to our relief pitcher in the ninth, 
So the fuck is he? Don Mattingly to... coaching the Marlins? Exactly. This is my problem I have with this. You've now said that you have to go to a relief pitcher over your number one draft pick. Can you please tell me? Is Kevin Cash managing this team? Like, what the hell's going on here? In the past, I don't know, 20 years, we'll say, of football, when have you seen a rookie quarterback get pulled consistently for the established veteran numerous times to win games? I'm sure it's happened maybe a couple times, but not this consistently. Consistent, that's the big key word. It's probably happened a couple times over the years. You know, Christ, you know, the NFL's been around 100 years, plus you 101, right, I'm just 101, the tr- 102 years now. It's had to have happened a couple of times, but to this consistency, never. Here, yeah. All right, so here's my problem. All right. Obviously, we talked about this for, you know, seven, eight weeks ago when they yeah. made the move that my, my theory was the Dolphins had these two first round picks that obviously Houston was a lot worse than what they thought they were going to be. So mm-hmm. currently Miami is sitting with the number three overall pick in this right. upcoming draft. So they're sitting here at a position right now where they have these two first-round picks, theirs plus Houston's, and they were like, all right, this is a quarterback-rich, deep class. We need to see what we have in Tua, or we are going to have to move on. So they make the move to Tua to, to see and evaluate in the middle of a playoff push, which mm-hmm. also is a problem. So Miami kind of put themselves, and let's face it, nobody thought Miami was going to be this good. Miami no. didn't think Miami no. was going to be this good. Miami fluked their way yeah. to about so, five wins. And I should know, yes, Miami does have the number three overall pick. Uh, their normal, which they got from Houston, yeah. their normal pick is currently the number 23. Right. So, well, that's because they're going to be in the playoffs. Had they not right. have been in the playoffs, right. who knows where that could have been. Right. right. So they could have put themselves in a position to land Trevor Lawrence. A generational quarterback, once in a lifetime kind of guy that you know you've now painted. You've put yourself in a position that hey, all right, we're outside of this. We can use these first two picks to to trade up and get him because nobody's going to say no to two first round picks, regardless. And they're also sitting in a good place where if if they're comfortable with Tua and they want to stick with Tua, they could trade that number one overall pick for a lot of picks in return. Right. So now, but so they they everything you know. 20, the Dolphins had a twenty twenty season. Sure. They were supposed to be bad, but they were good. Mm-hmm. So, like, now they're in a position where, all right, we have Houston's third pick. We have our pick, but Tua, need, we need to evaluate this. Right. So, if we lose some games, we lose some games. Well, in the midst of all that, they forgot that Brian Flores... Sucks. Well, no, wants to win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a head coach who wants to win. So, he's in a position now where he's, you know, sitting here and he's like, what gives me my best option to win? That's Fitzmagic. That's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, Tua's problem is, and I, I they talked about this on the broadcast, is Tua's waiting for wide receivers to get Alabama open mm. and not NFL open. And that's the problem. So you're not playing Citadel there, kid. Yeah, and that's where this is becoming an issue because he has guys open, but it's not the time and the space that he had at Alabama where, yeah, they played against some, you know, pretty Cupcakes. bottom ta- some prom teams, but also had some games against, you know, Georgia and, and arguably some better teams that, you know, he did throw well against. But again, it's not the wide receiver talent that he had there. I mean, Devontae Parker was out, which, yeah. you know, doesn't help. And their, yeah. other, their mm-hmm. number two wide receiver was out. So, you know, he, he did a lot of checkdowns and a lot of throws underneath because that's what he felt comfortable doing, but that doesn't win games. And when you're the number one, you know, you're the number one pick for that team at the, what, the ninth pick, they're expecting you to go out and win some games, and that's not what he's doing right now. No, he's definitely not, but this is going back to, yet again, you went all in on him for this draft. You've now wasted that pick. 
and you're wasting his confidence too. See that that's tough because I I mean you saw on the sidelines he's all right he he sure he's looking all right but then again when you're giving him the security blanket of Ryan Fitzpatrick and you willingly say we're going to a reliever in the ninth come on this is not baseball baseball is set up differently for this if you're a quarterback you need to lead your team especially if you are a number one draft pick it's a gift and a curse when you're taking that high. You need to be the one winning those games. If you're not, you need to start learning how to come back at the NFL level. Now, granted, I know he's at Alabama where he faces uh, how many cupcakes a year. Enough said there, but now you're in the pros. You at Miami took him. He needs to learn how to win games. or He's got to take some lumps. Yeah, he's well, got to take those lumps. Now you're, you're protecting him so much. I don't think he's learning. But here's also here's the, uh, this is the other thing, though, the play devil's advocate. If they were two and fourteen going or two and thirteen going into this week, yeah, and Tua was the quarterback, and they were having this ups and down that they are right now, you know, all of a sudden they bench Fitzpatrick or bench Tua for Fitzpatrick going into this game, we don't have any problems. All right, yeah, Tua just wasn't playing well. You know, they wanted to spark whatever, but because they're in the midst of this playoff push, that they put Tua in over the guy that was leading the charge for their playoff turnaround. Now it's Puxabaloo, you know? Yeah. Because I can tell you the, the, the similar situation was with the Giants when they drafted Eli. Sure. They had Kurt Warner, the established veteran, who had been playing well. I think when they made the move to Eli, they were like four and four or four and six or something like that. Like it was it, it was, was a sub five hundred. Yeah, record. they were sub five hundred, but they were right in the playoff. They were in the in a potential for a wild card or a playoff push. And they made the move to Eli, but the difference is, is that they stuck with the move to Eli. I think Kurt Warner did come in in a game or two after that, um, when Eli had some had you know a couple rough spots uh, as a rookie. But it wasn't anything to the extent that Fitzpatrick is coming in in the middle of these game-winning drives, yeah. to save games. And yeah. I think that's the problem. Like if yeah. they just, if it was consistent with them just saying Tua, you know, is our guy, and they didn't pull this Fitzpatrick move earlier on. It wouldn't have been a problem, but they've done it now multiple times. And and I and I feel like they're really you know building themselves an Achilles heel or, or whatever you want to say for this because yeah, it's worked from now. Fitzpatrick ain't always going to be there. He's thirty eight. Right. He's thirty eight years old. He just turned thirty eight at the end of November. Uh, he's in his fifteenth year in the NFL. Fitzpatrick ain't always going to be there to bail your ass out at the end of games. He's got to do this at some point. He's got to. He's got to have those times at the end of a season where you're sitting there and making a playoff push. That you're this six seed, seven seed, maybe even eight seed. That it's nut up or shut up time. Sure. And go out there and play. And I don't think it's doing him any help or it's doing the team any help down the road by pulling this stunt. I get why they're doing it. I don't agree with it. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in football. But I, to a degree, understand it. But I feel like it's going to hurt him down the road because he's going to look and go, "Oh, they're going to have to pull me out because we're getting crunch time and they and they need to win." And Fitzpatrick ain't going to be there. It's going to be like Josh Rosen or some guy. No, Rosen's long gone. Oh so, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's my, he's in San Francisco. But, now. but no, but I, I fully agree one thousand percent with Pat said, and that's what's hurting him right now. Like I understand why they're doing it, but at the same token, you grabbed him that high. He's a number one draft pick. He has to learn how to play the NFL. If he can't learn how to play at the NFL, you shouldn't have taken him. You, I, but I just, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> you guys are really hard on Tua. I mean, this isn't any fault I'm of more, his own. I, I mean, I'm more hard on Miami for kind of forcing the it's, issue. It's yeah. It's just the problem is like they again like the Dolphins didn't think they were going to be this good. Sure, right. Like that's just that. 
timestamp that. That's the most important thing out of all of this. Yeah, they lucked into this. They, because their defense, yeah, they went out and got Kyle Van Noy and they got pieces, but like they weren't supposed to be playing at the level that they are right now. And all of a sudden, things just the, the everything aligned for them and it just clicked. And they are at a, they were at a position where the Houston trade, Miami first off didn't think that their first pick was going to be 23 and the Houston pick was going to be three. They would have thought that that was reversed. Right. But instead, it's flip-flop, and they were at a position going into that bye week where they were like, all right, we're above 500, we're in the playoff mix, but we have to evaluate these draft picks now because we are a team that is playing for the future, not the right now. And they were they were stuck in between those two uh uh, positions, you know, between those two rocks, mm. and they veered for the playoff push. I, I think if Miami would have stuck with Tua, not benched him or anything, and been in this position, and then just missed the playoffs, I would have been like, okay. And it, especially if Flores came out and said, listen, because I'm sure if, if this is the scenario, the hypothetical scenario that happened, question would come, oh, listen, why didn't you bring in Fitzpatrick? You know, Tua wasn't exactly playing up to stuff there at the end. If he would have said, we want, you know, Tua's our guy, we want to stick with our guy, I'd have been like, all right. I get that. You know, Fitzpatrick, like I said, 38 years old, more years behind him than he's got ahead of him playing in the NFL. Two is your guy. You're sticking with him. Okay. This, to me, is going, you're not 100% sure on him, and you need Fitzpatrick to bail your ass out. I My problem is they should have just stuck with Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's just the – they should have just evaluated the position and said, all right, we are a playoff team. We will reassess Tua next year. I agree. And going into this draft with them being where they are in the draft and just riding the season and, out. And have to learn from, from Fitzpatrick. It you was, know, there's a reason he's still in the league. It was a blessing and a curse yeah. that they yeah. were able to be in this position because as a franchise that's been so bad for so long, they just didn't know what to do. They no, didn't know what to no. do with the success. And they definitely looked the role because now, sure, you're having some success short term. And congratulations, you're taking advantage of bad turnovers that other teams have made. That's what's won you those games. Right. Let's not let's not get it twisted and think that your offense has really been moving the needle because it hasn't. Well, I mean, here's the other problem, though, too, that now if Tua doesn't work next year, you're going to set the franchise oh, back five years. Oh, yeah, they're absolutely screwed. But that's, but, uh, th- but that's why they had to make the move. So, like, yes, I know I just said Fitzpatrick was the right move moving forward. But at the same time of it being like the the GM like smart like guy that I am inside insider knowledge type guy that I think I am, you have to assess what you have in Tua oh, because re- if he busts, you're done. Oh, you really got to figure it out because Fitzpatrick is a free agent after this year. Right? Yeah, it's, it was. It, it, I mean, he was it, going to be anyway. He was on a one year deal. He's going to retire. It's a full catch twenty two. No matter what, right? You are screwed no matter what. But the fact that you keep doing this, like this is. This is just mind-blowing to me because, sure, you're winning short-term. Great. Get it. But long-term, you're completely shooting yourself in the foot. And you're going to be hobbling to get back to relevancy because a lot of those wins, like I touched upon, are from bad turnovers. You take a look at the Rams game. Yeah, but that, but are they bad turnovers or are there, is their defense that what, playing that well? No, I think it's bad turnovers. Okay. That's my opinion about All it, right. that I think that they've lucked into a lot of these wins, which is, is congratulations. A, is this a Bills fan talking or is this a, no, this you is, know, a podcaster talking right now? This is a podcaster talking. Oh, okay. No, because if it was a Bills fan, I'd be Weird, celebrating the fact. All of a sudden you have this blue hue on you right now that I can't tell. It's it's the glow of winning against the Patriots. Yeah. It just <laughs> radiates from me. I, but, but, what I, but going back to the point, though, 
with how they're handling Tua, I think they're doing him a disservice. I fully think they are. That you're coming out with two different messages and you're not on the same page. And the fact that you come out publicly and say that Fitzpatrick is your relief pitcher? Come on. Like, the fact that you don't have that much faith in your quarterback, because that's how it read to me. I'm taking my uh, my well, dislike yeah. for Miami out. That's how it read to me, and that's what I'm going. You have no faith in him. No, I'm. It's not that they have no faith in him. It's just that they see a rookie quarterback versus a veteran in a in a position where shit. We're in the mix of we're in a playoff push. What again? This all goes back to the decision to play Tua over Fitzpatrick. No, yeah, exactly. Had they just stuck with. Everything as is. This wouldn't be a problem. Oh, it would be even a conversation. But now because they made the flip, every you know, I because I'm on the other side. I listen. You got to win games, and if you know you want to start to a, I mean, yeah, he only threw for he threw 15 passes and only completed for 78 yards. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. But like on the flip side of it, they weren't necessarily losing. Their defense was playing pretty well. You know, I mean, yeah, they were losing, but like they weren't out of the game. You know what I mean? Like their defense was holding them in it. Their defense it will keep like, them in games. Like, I don't, I, I, do I think they're that good? No, but do I think they'll, they're adequate? Yeah. I, I mean, my thing is, is, and my problem will be like, obviously, come playoff time, you know that they're going to lean heavy on Fitzpatrick. Like the, 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 the yank the arm thing off the stage is going to be. Oh, two ain't going to see the light of day in the playoffs. Right. Like I got to assume that you, well, you would, you would assume, but you that's, would. that's the problem. Right. You, you don't know the message Miami's sending is. As much as they're trying to give you the sense of false confidence, you just don't know what they're thinking, and it's not like an element of surprise. Like, ooh, what are they doing? It's like, do you guys really understand the situation you're in? Because right now, if the if the playoffs were to start this weekend, uh, Miami would be playing Tennessee. Right, in, they'd be the fifth seed in Tennessee. But where the logjam is there, you have Indianapolis, you have Baltimore. You have Cleveland, I want to say, yep. and there yep. was a fifth team involved. Uh, no, no, it's, a, it's no, just a four. four. Just okay. a four. four for three. Okay. So, yeah, so some team is going to be odd looking out. Miami's got Buffalo, who has got to play for the second seed. Yep. Now, but Pitt's, they have the tiebreaker. They do have the tiebreaker. And Pittsburgh's already said they're sitting Ben. Right. So, so you know Buffalo is going to show up for that game, which, I mean, I wish they were going to not be in that situation so they could sit Josh and company. Yeah, but, but I think but I think the right decision for Buffalo is to play. Oh, I do. I, so, I, I think it is, too. Like I said, I wish they weren't in this position, yeah. but they are. But they're going to go, and, and obviously Miami's going to have an uphill battle against them. And then looking at everybody else who's in, it's going to be a tough thing. Baltimore's got Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. That yep. could go either way. Indianapolis has Jacksonville, if I'm not mistaken. They're favored by double digits last I saw. Right, but then again, it's Indianapolis. What do you know what you're going to get out of there? Right. So if Miami does sneak in there, then that becomes a question of what do you do with Tua? And then if you sit him, then you're going with your relief pitcher the entire game? Like This is just kind of these storylines we're going to have to watch moving forward. So yeah, Indy's currently favored by two scores. But like I say, when, I'm, when I hear that quote, I'm going, in my opinion, and I'm taking my Buffalo bias out of this, you are really doing to a disservice by keep saying that you have a relief pitcher and that's what you're going to. I understand why you're doing it. I just don't agree with it. I'm I'm less upset by it and yeah. more understanding because they made the decision because they saw what they had in front of them. It's just they pulled the trigger a little too early. Yeah. No. Had they have been out of the playoff race, that's that would have been the right decision to move to Tua. But yeah. they were in the mix of a playoff push with a guy who was playing arguably pretty good. Given the fact that he's been a journeyman throughout the NFL, and they and they 
made the move. No, well, they did what they do, so then I got to reap what they sow. Enough said. I mean, we, we we can agree to disagree about this, and we're just going to have more to talk about. Sure. Should Miami get into the playoffs? Because it's still not locked in just yet. So that being said, Pad, why don't you kick off our two-minute drill? Yeah, i got to talk about the New Orleans Saints-Minnesota Viking games because, holy shit, the performance from Alvin Kamara, and thank you for my fantasy team. Uh, Kamara put up monster numbers in New Orleans' 52-33 win over the Minnesota Vikings, uh, 22 carries, 155 yards, uh, six touchdowns. How about a giant FU to Sean Payton, though? Yeah. Yeah. Because that was dick. I had the one league I'm in with UConn. I was in the fight for the third place finish, I believe it was. Yeah, a fight for third place finish. Kamara netted me 53.2 points on Christmas Day. So I was up, I was up like 70 points to nothing going into Saturday. So I was like, I might have this lock. And on that note, I want to thank all of the people on my team, the major people on my team who got me my highest finish in fantasy football ever. Uh, ever playing uh, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Eric Ebron, all having monster games for me. Also, Justin Tucker, uh, thank you for giving me my highest finish in fantasy football ever. Coach. Yeah, I mean, I'll touch upon the, the New York Giants. Um, obviously, an abysmal performance uh, against the Baltimore Ravens where, you know what, I don't even know what this team is anymore. Uh, Baltimore won the game 27-13. to Lamar Jackson had an absolute field day. Uh, Des Bryant caught a touchdown, which kind of broke my heart. Um, I don't know. I, I Daniel Jones looked healthy, so I guess that's good. I I just don't know. I mean, it's this is definitely a, a problem right now with this Giants team going limping their way into this game um, against um, Dallas on Sunday. You know, and everybody's harping on the, oh, you know, like the broad, it's been a real, like, uh, uh, trigger point for broadcasters sure. to be like, mm-hmm. oh, the Giants are playing zone defensively. I mean, yes and no. Like, there there was a couple times where they were in man, actually, and like, yeah, the Giants are playing more zone, but I think it's not so much to try and confuse teams as it is they just don't have the talent. Right. <laughs> like, their skill talent players are just not the same as, uh, you know uh, the other teams, and I'm really I'm looking forward to this off season because uh, the draft. Obviously, there's some really good wide receivers that are going to be in this draft that I think the Giants have to go after. I, I initially my gut feeling was like you know with Saquon coming back, Evan Ingram, you know like I kind of was hoping that they would go out and get you know a number one guy, uh, you know like a Galladay from Detroit who probably is going to be a, dangled in trade options. But I'm opting. Let's just let's get the kid out of Alabama. Let's just go get a wide receiver who's young, explosive, big, and uh, and kind of go from there because they just they don't have the, the the with Golden Tate out and I mean he, uh, he is not a number one. I mean the Giants have three slot wide receivers trying to disguise themselves as outside wide receivers, right? So it's tough. It's tough. But you know they scored a, a touchdown, so that was the first time in a long time they did that. So that was kind of nice. So going into this final week, it is kind of a big deal with our locks and leaps uh-huh. because of the 607 podcast bracket has a race coming down to the wire between Rich from Three Fat Nerds and our very own Padawan J. Yup. The stakes have never been higher. Can Pad pull off the three-peat? That is a question. The dynasty. Can you do it, Pad? Is the dynasty forever? Maybe. We'll see. He's very calm about this. He's, he's, he's reserved his locks and leaps to the I've, end of the I've show. learned from the master. Yes. Oh, borrowing from Mr. Belichick. Yes. So he's not giving any sound bites. And for our big uh, content creating pool, it's a tight race as well. I know I'm up seven 
on the one and only trophy wife. Yeah. Which is making me nervous this week because I've looked at the lines. Well, she um, – a lot of doom and gloom because I think she knows that it's going to be – she had a bad week last week. Yeah. La- I, I had to hear that. Last week Last week uh, was a tougher week. I'll be honest. I forgot to pick my 4 o'clock games. Whoops. Yeah. yeah, that was also a topic of discussion. I, like, I, what the fuck is I, he doing? I totally forgot. Yeah. I made sure to pick my 1 o'clock games, and then about halfway through the 4 o'clock games, I went, fuck. That's, a, that's okay. I got crushed because I didn't realize there was a 12 on I know Saturday. I'm gonna, I know I'm yeah. going to lose that anyway, so that might be part of the reason. Yeah, I only thought I only thought there was the two games on Sunday on Saturday. I didn't realize they had three. Yeah. So right. when the Tampa Bay game kicked off and you know they had already they were already up like twenty one nothing. Yeah. By the time we saw it, she's like, Why didn't you tell me there was a twelve o'clock game? And I'm like, obviously I didn't know there was a twelve o'clock game, otherwise I would have told you to pick a twelve o'clock game. Well, I would have picked Tampa Bay, so if Tampa Bay wins, oh I'm gonna be so mad. So that yep. It happens to the best of us. I mean that's what I, 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 I listen. No, I I'm these, not I wasn't. No, I, wasn't I know. Trying. I'm just making like the Saturday games, like it's fucking weird. Leave me, like, b- give me a break. Like, I'm not used to NFL on Saturday. I am all focused on college football. Like, I'm not worried about Saturday NFL. Get it out of my face. Unless the Giants are playing, I don't care. I don't give a shit. Giants only on Saturday now. Yeah, that, that's yeah, why. But I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, unless it's my team playing or like a game of the year, I don't give a shit about Saturday NFL. Yeah. That's why I, just, I, I, I pick my whole lineup one day, and I'm like, okay, then I'll go back and edit as well, I need to. Right, but so that's what I do usually. But I this one week, I was like, all right, I'm just going to pick as they come because mm-hmm. me picking ahead of time, then I go back in, and I'm like, I shouldn't second-guess myself because second-guessing yourself is going to get in trouble. Always does. So I just said, all right, I'm going to pick the minute you know before games. Well, missed 12. It, it, like Sorry, said, honey. It, it happens to the best of us. I know a lot of people miss games, obviously, with how everything is going to reschedule. That's why I said we haven't really been talking about the brackets here on the show because with the games getting moved around, and it, it becomes a little tough because I don't want to get like false stats. Sure. Out. But going into this week, though, I have 127 points. The one and only trophy wife has 120. Vinny has 117. Coach, 113. I'm really upset by that. JVD, shout out to him. He has 112 along with Colby Mack and Tyler from Second Sewer Roundout with 111 as well. So it's going to be a fun time to watch, especially on our Facebook page where it comes down Rich versus Pad. Yep. The hashtag is starting. It's going to be a fun race to the finals. Week 17 is next week, but let's recap and talk about week 16, shall we? Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, host of the Kobe Told Me podcast. It's my whenever I want to deep dive with the Mack himself, where I get to amplify my movie reviews for your listening pleasure. This is my 30 minutes or less solo pod, keeping it real with reviews, sometimes movie news, and an always dope box office breakdown i'm the best subjectively objective film critic in the game and when they ask you where you heard it from you tell them kobe told me peace hey this is brian wolf from fair city fire you are listening to odph the greatest podcast in binghamton Woo!
Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let's talk more football, but let's take it to the college ranks. It is a big weekend as we are recording. What is going on, Pat? Auburn versus Northwestern. Yeah! Oh, wait. Sorry, wrong games. Yeah, no, no. that's not a game to cheer about. NC State, Kentucky. Woo! Well, that's... if you are a fan of those teams, it is. <laughs> Old Miss, Old Miss, Indiana, anybody? Except for everybody no? who's opting out, which is not fun. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a whole yeah. different ball of wax. Uh, I think ball, I saw Ball State, San Jose State. Yeah, I think I saw somebody has four wide Miami or Florida. Florida has four wide receivers. Their top four wide receivers They're all, all out. On. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I know that the the bowl game between TCU and Arkansas just got canceled too today. Yeah, they've been announcing a couple cancellations, and obviously Florida is having a lot of players that are getting ready for the NFL draft. Sure. So yep. it's going to be a little tough for bowl season, but what we're referring to it is hey. playoff time in uh-huh. college football. The bowl championship series tournament is all set and ready to yes. rock, so we are going to preview the games, give you our picks. So shall we kick off with number three, Ohio State versus number two, Clemson? Oh, really? I wonder why you want to do that. Because we're going to give you <laughs> the floor <laughs> for the after. So obviously, 8 o'clock going on, ESPN Yep. Uh, from the Mercedes-Benz Dome in New Orleans. This game is going to be taking place. Ohio State, kind of an up-and-down season versus number two, Clemson. Coach, what is your thoughts going in with this? Well, I, it's tough because what are we going to get from Ohio State? Like, are they going to be... Are they going to be COVID healthy? Because that's what they ran into the last four weeks of the season that really, yeah, I mean, A, put them in the position to only be able to play six games, mm-hmm. and B, you know, really enabled, inhibited them from being able to put on the offensive and defensive numbers that they would have probably put on had they had been healthy. Right. So I think that's for starters. You know, are they sure. going to come in healthy? Secondly, are they – and if they are, what are we going to see from them offensively? Because we really haven't seen them healthy since the first two weeks of the season. Right. So that's going to be the next thing. On the flip side of it, Clemson, obviously, from the sounds of things, you know, haven't heard anything. They didn't have any COVID issues going into the ACC title game, and I haven't heard anything now of now. So from the sounds of it, they're coming in healthy. What are they going to be able to do to this uh, Ohio State offense that's going to be able to, to slow down um, – uh, their the Justin Fields um, and his ability to run, you know, they're, they're definitely going to have to contain the pocket. I honestly probably see them doing a lot of the things that they did to Notre Dame, which was not press the edges, but try and just play contain and let the defensive tackles kind of stunt off of each other right. to confuse the offensive line. Um, and you know, offensively, obviously Trevor Lawrence, you know, what are they going to? What is Ohio State going to be able to do to slow down Trevor Lawrence because he is on all full cylinder right now. I mean, he is seeing the field. I mean, that early interception that he threw against Notre Dame, I thought was going to be the, the chip in the chain of, um, of, you know, of Trevor Lawrence and that uh, Notre Dame was going to be able to get to him. But then all of a sudden he just clicked and and just absolutely decimated that Notre Dame defense, which is uh, to me, I think probably uh, better up front, not in the secondary, but better up front than Ohio state's defense. So, you know, is Ohio State going to be able to – and the problem is, you know, without Chase Young, they just haven't had the same pass rush this year. Right. So are they going to be able to to get to Trevor Lawrence? And if they do, are they going to be able to tackle him? Because <laughs> Notre Dame's front seven couldn't because he got right. out about three different sacks that right. I was like, they got him, they got him, they got him, and then boom, he's out of it. Uh, secondary-wise, um, you know, I think that Ohio State's secondary is obviously better than Notre Dame's. So they're, they're, they'll have the talent there to be able to slow down that offense. The problem is going to be in the X factor, and this has been the X factor all year, Travis Etienne. 
Yeah. If they can get Travis Etienne run the ball, that opens Trevor Lawrence up for so many more things. So it's going to be a tough matchup. I know the spread seven and a half. Right. I think it's going to be closer than that, but it's really hard to, to argue with Clemson losing this game. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely going to be close. I mean, you look at the uh, preview on ESPN.com, their matchup predictor, uh, according to ESPN's football power index, has it even 50-50 split. You know, and like Coach said, the, the spread is Clemson by seven and a half. The over-under is 66 and a half. I think this is one that, you know, you would think Clemson has, and, 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 and you know, I think Clemson's going to win this. But the other thing I think is is that this is a nut-up-or-shut-up game for Ohio State because for as much as they were, you know, making noise and, and you know, whining and complaining that, you know, whatever rule it was needed to be changed so that they could make it into the playoffs and this, that, you obviously, you know, they would like to win. Yeah. But the score, if they lose, needs to be close because if they end up getting blown out, they're going to look real bad. I agree. This one is going to be box office for a couple of reasons. Obviously, Clemson and Ohio State are no strangers to each other over the past couple of years. Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are the two big prized quarterbacks for this upcoming NFL draft. They're both going to want to make a statement. They both are going to want to deliver some highlight of some sort. Trevor Lawrence, I think, has a little more pressure on him, per se, mm-hmm. because with his the pedigree and the legacy he's already left, he's definitely going to want to win this one. I'm not saying more than Fields, but he definitely has more pressure to deliver because going in with a loss to the NFL draft is never a good look, per se, especially if it's a bad performance. If it's a close game, it's kind of a wash, so right. you can't really I factor mean, that in. What's a bad performance for Trevor Lawrence, though? Because even the right, last... we've never seen it. Right. I mean, even the last game against Ohio State the previous year was probably the worst performance Trevor Lawrence ever had, mm-hmm. and he still threw for 300-plus yards. So, yeah. like, what do you... You know, like, what can you right. call a bad performance? I mean, all right, he throws two interceptions, but they're still going to score four touchdowns. Yeah. You know, he's still yeah. going to throw for 300 yards. Is that going to be a bad performance because he threw two interceptions? Right. You know, I mean, I, that – and but he's but those things are going to be, you know, death taxes, Trevor Lawrence throwing for 300 yards. Yeah. These are guarantees in life. Exactly. That's so, what Jacksonville's banking on. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point is going in with a big media hype around. I mean, this is why Joe Burrow exploded on the scene last year. Right. If, well, that and the – you know, just the – that team had yeah. Something that about team's them, a whole you know, different that, yeah. swagger that just hasn't been duplicated. But <laughs> I mean, look at LSU now. Yeah, exactly. Enough said there. But that's the big highlights to really take away from this is you're going to have a QB shootout like you haven't seen. I know that obviously Ohio State what is going to be the condition of them going into this game. That's going to be that's right. Kind of that, that's why I said that's my yeah. first point. Like, oh yeah, no, you were right. You were spot on. I was giving you credit for that. It's yeah, like you nailed that right on the head. If they're not at 100%, this is going to be a long game for them. Sure. This is going to be super long. Because if Northwestern was able to take it to them for three out of four quarters, exactly. what is Clemson going to do? And that's why I think Clemson is going to run away with this one. Okay. Oh. Now, I think they're going to win by nine. Yeah. I'll even take the over on this one. All right. And I be, will tell Aaron to not listen to this part of the show because yes. he will be on her shit list. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It, I Like I say, I'm not picking you know with any kind of bias towards this. Is just I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to take advantage of an Ohio State team that is not going to be one hundred percent like that. For me, unless they come out and they got everybody ready to go, right? Well, that's the thing though. We don't know. They right. just they're they're not talking about. We it. won't know until yeah. we get to game time. But if we start noticing, okay, somebody's not on the field, somebody's not that, and you just got to play the law of averages. If they're keeping all their cards close to their chest, sure, different story. But if they come out and they're not missing or they're missing key players, Trevor Lawrence is that good. He's going to tear them apart. I mean, is this going to be a blowout by any means? No. Like I said, this could be a nine-point win, I think, because what I see happen is a late-minute interception touchdown. 
that get that is the tipping point for Clemson to get the win. No, so, I, I, I mean, I'm rooting against Clemson. Yeah, because I fucking hate Dabo Sweeney and the defensive coordinator whose now name escapes me. I just despise their guts. But I do. I I am I'm, I'm obviously I picked Ohio, I picked Clemson, but I really do think that Ohio State can't steal this game just because they have the talent level to keep up with them. Yeah. Versus, you know, and the difference being the fact that now they have a a week of seeing Trevor Lawrence play that, and, you know, all the Dabo Sweeney bullshit in the media, I think they have for fuel for the fire. Because, you know, I don't know, I mean, Dabo Sweeney all week, he had pegged them as the number nine team Mm -hmm. in his top 25 for coaches. And, you know, they interviewed him going into this, and he again said, yeah, they're the ninth best team in the nation. You know, bulletin board material. No different than what, you know, quote, sure. quote, the linebacker for Clemson said Notre Dame did sure. by saying, like, we're not worried, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, they gave us plenty of bulletin board They're material. They're going to look for any kind of added yeah, motivation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, th- what more motivation than literally saying, like, New England all those years had to come up with that in you know, the NFL for being the underdog. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to find something. This is right there. Your Their coach said, no, 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 you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. You're the ninth best team in the nation. There was a couple. There was a couple years they were handed. It was handed to New England. Yeah, well, was sure. Ryan Clark, the one year with Pittsburgh. Yeah, but outside of that, though, they've had to fester them their their, their own sort of storylines. This is right there. Dabo Sweeney said this yeah. in an interview, so you can slap that on the bulletin board and say, you know, he thinks you're the ninth best team. Go out them showing differently. Well, that's where we're going to have to wait to see Saturday night. So it's going to be a fun game. Like I think that's yeah. going to be the real one. That I would uh, definitely peg the over on this yeah. one. Oh, yeah, definitely take the over <laughs> on this one. Like I said, I, I'm calling this by nine, but we'll see what happens. But now let's get to the game that your coach, Fucking my coach, the coach, dreading is dreading, but we know he wants to talk about. Yeah. Pad? Yeah, so uh, taking place 4 o'clock Eastern on ESPN uh, New Year's Day. Number one, Alabama Crimson Tide taking on the number four, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, for those of you keeping score at home, the current spread on this as we record is Alabama by 19 and a half. Oh, that went up two points. <laughs> All and, right. and the over-under is 65 and a half. Coach? Yeah. Um, oh, fuck. I'm, you're rocking I'm your dark, Notre Dame stuff. So. I'm in a dark. I don't know. Like I told you guys going into this, like there's a couple things. Like obviously, my fandom is like Notre Dame has a chance to win this game. Like I fully believe in my heart that like if they play a perfect game, they can do it. Any given Sunday. Well, in mm-hmm. this case, Saturday. The problem or Friday. Well, the yeah. problem is, do I think that they can play a perfect game? That's where I'm a little bit concerned because. There's history. Sure. <laughs> There's just too much pain I have that I've seen Notre Dame go into these big games and like, oh my God, they've got a chance. And then all of a sudden they come out, you know, and just play a terrible performance. And offensively, Alabama, you know, wide receiver and running back wise, yeah, it's elite talent. You know, I mean, there's Always no there's been. no arguing that. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, do I really think that, you know, um uh, Jones is that great of a quarterback? Not really. I mean, when you're throwing to, you know, Smith and, and, and the other the guys escaping me now. Uh, Harris. Harris, yeah. When you're, th- when you're getting to throw to them, yeah, you're going to look great, you know. So should he make me look good. Yeah, like, the, I mean, you could stick anybody back there at quarterback, you know, and, and they'd be well. And then you got, you know, Harris um, for, you know, and running back, you know. I mean, so they, they've got skilled talent, you know. So And their offensive line is absolute juggernauts. 
I mean, it's insane. So, like, yeah. you know, when you've got time and room, you can throw the ball. Yeah, you know, like you're going to do well. So, you know, the fact that he's up for a Heisman is a little ridiculous to me when you haven't needed to do anything. Like, it's not like he's had, like, you know, Trevor Lawrence has had to put Clemson on his back a couple times mm-hmm. to win some games. You know, Justin Fields has had to put Ohio State on his back to win a couple games. Like, sure. That, to me, is what I look for in a high. Like, I know, like, numbers look nice and everything, but, like, when I'm talking Heisman, I want to know a guy who's like, all right, I've put my team on their, my back, and I'm the reason why we're being successful. That is not what Jones is doing. So, do I think that he's the weakest part of their offense? Yeah. Do I think Notre Dame can cause a little bit of problems? Sure, I mean, they did it to North Carolina's offense, which was arguably one of the best offenses in the nation. Sure. Defensively, though, I mean, offensively, do I think Notre Dame can keep up with them, and that's the problem. This Alabama defense is not the same defense uh, of yesteryear where it was like, you know, they were teams were lucky to score two touchdowns on them. It's not that kind of defense. You know, you saw Florida last week. Mm-hmm. You know, they were able to hang 30 on them. So, you know, Notre Dame's skill players aren't as good as Florida's, you know, especially the, the tight end. Um, but they've got talent that can, um, you know, that can get in the field. Kyron Williams, a running back, you know, can definitely make some plays. And Ian Book, you know, I mean, to me, it's Ian Book who's going to be the X factor of this game. I just, I don't know. I, I don't want to make a prediction because, like, I don't want to say it. I don't want to speak it out there. I just, then, I'm very then, doing then, the glue. Then I'm not going to let you do it. Okay, I will, thanks. You will not give me I don't want to say uh, No. I can't even say it. Pad? No, this is definitely a game that I think Notre Dame can win. You oh, know. shut the fuck up, Pad. You're patronizing me now. You know, because they, they, <laughs> they, they their only losses here, as we know, it was to Clemson in the ACT, ACC title game. Yeah. You know, they beat Duke, South Florida, Florida State, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Boston College, North Carolina, Syracuse. And uh, obviously, like we mentioned, their only loss was in the title game against Clemson. On the flip side, though, this fucking Bama team scares the shit out of me. Because normally, you remember, roll back the tape on some previous shows where we were criticizing Alabama for playing cupcakes like the Citadel or Coastal Carolina, where it's like, why the fuck are they playing these guys? They ain't got no cupcakes in this schedule. No, they do. Because the SEC was shit this year. You know, but, you know, it's... (laughs) Tennessee's a bad fucking football team. They're they're bad teams, but it's at least teams that I go, okay, I understand why you're playing. Sure. You know, you're not paying the... You know, they're not paying Old Miss or, or Kentucky, you know, six figures to come play them. Sure. You know, they beat Missouri, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Auburn, uh, LSU, Arkansas, and then Florida. Their closest margin of victory wasn't until the SEC title game against Florida where they won by six. Their largest margin of victory was when they beat Kentucky by 60. This team scares the shit out of me. I, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough that, you know, CBS broadcasts a, a good portion of, you know, the great SEC games, and so oftentimes it's Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've watched a couple of those games or, or portions of some of those games. This Bama team scares the shit out of me just with what they can do and just drop a touchdown on you like it's nothing. In the words of Bluto from Animal House, was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? <laughs> It's not over till we say it's over. Coach, if you don't want to take the fandom here, I'm going to do it for you because you know what? How's, that, how's, that line from South, you. how's that line from South Park going? Uh, I don't hear a fat lady singing. Exactly. No, I mean, here's, here's my No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I got this. I've I been got, hurt. I, I got this. I got this. I've no, been no. hurt too much. I got this because I'm going to break this down to you. All right. This Alabama team is great. I'm not going to take anything away from them. Everybody is going to say they run right through the game. They're completely ignoring the fighting Irish. Your beloved team, coach. Yeah. But you know what? Has Rudy not taught us anything? <laughs> 
has the Rocky movies not shown that it just if you show up and you fight and you scrap and you claw and you win, you can hang and you can set an example? Sure. That is what this team is showing. All right. And that is what they're going to do. Ian Book, yeah, sure, he's a good quarterback. Is he going to be an all-pro in the, in the future? Maybe. We don't know. But this is his time to shine because you know what? He's facing an elite defense that is stacked, that is going to uh, struck fear in the hearts of many. But the key factor that's going to happen is they're going to get their running game going. Kyrie Williams. And, and they're going to stop the Alabama defense from getting on the or offense from getting on the field. Hey, the best defense is a good offense. Exactly. They're going to punch that right down their throats. Okay. They're going to hang with them. They're going to keep them off the field. And that is the key to winning this. I am saying you take the under, you take Notre Dame in the upset, and you take them 17 to 14. I feel like it was the new Rockney speech here. We're going to run right, we're going to run left, and we're going to go, go, go. And we're not going to stop till we get to that goal line. Exactly. I, I honestly, listen, I, I appreciate it, Ken. I just, I've been here too many times, and I've been hurt so often. I, in 2012, you have no idea. I literally went in that game. I, I mean, Aaron and I, 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 we were not married just yet. I went into that game. I, we watched that at her parents' house, and I sat on the stairs and fucking cried for the second half. And I don't want to see you do that. Coach. I don't want to do that either. And then this, and then I can, I, the, the Clemson playoff game. I we were married. I'm sitting on my couch and I'm watching this game, and I'm my jaw is smacking the floor because I'm just like. What is this? What is life right now? And then the ACC title game happened, Ken. And I was like, oh, my God. They did it again. And I knew it was – I knew this was happening the minute they missed that field goal. I turned to Aaron, and I said, Aaron, who's pad right now, it's fucking over. I know how you feel. I've been there three times. And goes, it's only the first quarter, Sean. What do you always say to me? Be positive. And I said, no, 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 no. I've been here. I've seen this. I know what's coming. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. I I dread this. I, I texted you guys yeah. to, before the game. I said, Notre Dame, when they lost this game, I go, they don't deserve this playoff spot. And I hope to God they don't because they're going to have to play Bama and it's going to be ugly. And this is their redemption story. Yeah. This is where they come I, back. Listen, I know that. Don't call it a comeback. I know they can win because anybody can. I just. My problem is is that there's a reason why this point spread. Just like last week, every I was like fucking disrespectful. 13 and a half? Ugh, how dare they put that point spread on there? There is a reason why 19 and a half is the point spread. There's a fucking reason. Oh, yeah. Alabama deserves the credit for getting it. I'm right. Not, but I'm just saying this. If Notre Dame can run the ball. Sure. Then they can win this game, and I think that's I think that's a very fair point because if they can, they have to they have to control the clock. Like that's what it has to be yes. because the problem is they don't have the skill set on the outside that will be able to put up the big strike plays like Alabama's going to be able to do. So they're going to have yeah they're going to have to keep because Notre Dame's secondary is not great. I mean Kyle Hamilton uh, is arguably probably one of the best defensive players that Notre Dame has had since. You know Jalen Smith and Tua, mm. um, and I know there's Osu Koromara who obviously is going to be a top ten draft pick. Like that's notwithstanding, but Kyle Hamilton was a five star recruit that Notre Dame, you know, wasn't supposed to get, and they did get. So 
you know, he's only one guy in the secondary. Though. I mean, you look at the numbers. Alabama's uh, secondary does appear to be worse. They are yeah. they are allowing twenty two hundred and forty three and a half That's yards per game. This Pass is yards. not the same. Like, think about that. Like, remember four years ago in the SEC title game, it oh, was yeah. thirteen yeah, to nine. We, yeah, we made a conversation. You know, like so they they them defensively is not the same that they once were. No, yeah, but. That's, that's what I'm saying. You have a chance on paper. Yeah, on paper. On paper. But you know what? Go in with that bullet bulletin tool. Yeah, I can't even talk right now because I'm getting so amped up. I'm trying to get you fired up for this. I am fired yeah, up. Bulletin board material. Listen. They're going to go in there. They're going to read that. That point spread is going to fire them up. And they're going to go. Ian Book, can you lead this team? Where's the ghost of Quentin Nelson that I've heard is the greatest linebacker in the history of line? Or line, line whatever <laughs> that is. I don't even give a shit. He's going to come in there. He's going to run right. He's going to run left. That's right. They're going to punch go, holes. Go, 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 go. And that's what they're going to do because I'm not going to sit here and yell, roll tide. All right. Well, that's not happening. On next Tuesday, we're going to get one of two Sean's. We're either going to get him fucking the happiest guy in the world or you're going to get me just down and in the dumps. Because it's going to – it's not – there is no moral victory yeah. here. There is no moral victory. For all you people out there that are like, all right, if Notre Dame – like, Coach, what if Notre Dame loses by seven? Are you going to be okay with that? No, there is no goddamn moral victory. It is either they win or they lose. Now I'm getting – see, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Speaking into existence. Now, now you got me going because there is no – if they lose by seven, there is no moral victory. And I know your boy that you hooked me up with, Nick, there, would probably say the same thing because we were on Facebook. Yeah. We were saying the same shit. Notre Dame better not get in the playoffs because if they do, they're playing Bama. And, dear God, are we scared. And I know he's probably feeling the same way right now. Like, this is this is a worry because it's not the team. It's fucking Brian Kelly. Yeah. Can he coach in a big game? This is the time to take advantage of it because Alabama is not the Alabama of old. There are weaknesses, even though on paper it doesn't look it. I think the only other thing that I'm happy about is the fact that it's played in Dallas. Because yes. Notre Dame's already traveled to Dallas. They've done the rigmarole there. They've seen Jerry's world. So they've already got that underneath their belt. And listen, if they beat Bama, I mean, and if Clemson wins, I, I, I don't even want to cross that bridge. Let's not worry about that. But if they play Ohio State, they can win a national title, baby. But only if they play Ohio State. You focus that energy on that. Just dialed in right now. You focus Alabama. You put that energy out there. Listen, it's tough because this is this is not the same Bama. You know, like you said, no, it's not. And. I really, on paper, I do like Notre Dame's ability to run the ball. I think they'll be able to move it because Notre Dame's offensive line is arguably better than it was in 2012. So I think they'll be able to move the ball uh, on the run and be able to control the clock. But will they? You know, I mean, are they going to try and get cute with it, run tempo, and and do all that stuff? Because if they do that, then, you know, it'll be interesting. But it just takes one play. It takes one play. All they need to do is get a quick start. That's yes. all they need to if do. They, they got to come out the gate and they got to put seven on. Yeah. Just like they did against Clemson. Open and drive. Open and drive. They got to do it. They yep. have to do that. Agreed. If they do that, you're going to be in good shape. Right. You got to will <laughs> this into existence, coach. Except for I'm the next doing. play when Matt Jones hits. I, fucking... I, I Listen, I am not scared of them. Okay. I'm, I'm a bitter <laughs> Gators fan. Oh, all so right. So you know what? I'm going to try cheering you up here because I'm right. going to say this. So you have the same feeling that I have for uh, Clemson. That, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying, get this win, coach. Put it out there in existence. Because, yeah, Alabama is Alabama, and they're great. I take nothing away from that. Saban's built a monster down there. But are they the same Alabama team of old? On paper, you could argue it. Here, On This field, is what scares me. Devontae Smith today was asked uh, how he plans to use his nickname, the Slim Reaper, against Notre Dame. I don't even know the answer to that question. It just scared the shit out of me that that's that man's nickname. The, the Slim, Slim Reaper. Reaper. Yeah, because he's skinny. He's like 6'4 and 160 pounds. But he's 
dynamic as shit. But so that's what scared the hell out of me. But he's going to have to get the ball. But he can't get the ball if he's on the sideline <laughs> yeah, because right. they're going to run the ball and keep him off. They're going to play this like how New Orleans did against Indianapolis in the Super Bowl. Run, 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 run. Exactly. Run. Yeah. That's that's how you beat Alabama. You run at him, and you just keep running. The ghost of Quentin Nelson will will have a word with that line, and he will talk them into it. I it's, wish he could have a a game of eligibility. Well, I let, wish him McGlinchey. Ronnie Stanley could all come back for one more game. Uh, no, I don't want to disrespect. I mean, Liam Eikenberg and, and that def- offensive line's played really well. Yeah, so, so put I don't want to be disrespectful. Put some faith into it. Like I said, it's Listen, good. It's going to be a close game. I have faith. I just don't want to be this overly optimistic. Like I was. I mean, we did the show before that yeah. Clemson, the, before that playoff game, and I'm like, oh, Nordane matches up really well with them. Well, that didn't turn out very well. But you, so, you got. I don't want to do that again. But it, like I say, it's you take that bad loss and you come back with the win. And that's what I'm saying. I'm going to go out of the leap. I'm going to take my leap for you, coach. All right. I've just – I don't want to be hurt again. I don't want to be hurt. Please just win. Then we'll have to see what happens on Saturday. All right. Because we'll get the tweets out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll be watching the game. Yeah. I'll go on OD Parlay Hour. I will retweet whatever you put out there. All right. Pat will comment too. I know our listeners out there are going be to be positive. Exactly. Comment, comment positivity. Hashtag ODPH, who you got this weekend for the national – college football championship tournament be, be kind yes when you pick be kind and hit up at coach duffy 11 let them know your picks i know we got alabama fans in here i know you want to get him going just don't I, if you pick alabama don't tag me yeah that's mean <laughs> that'd be mean and cold-hearted be, be very mean and then i have to jump in there and get memes going and then i'll have to call diesel and then and, and it gets Hurtful. ugly from there yeah i'll probably cry yeah so definitely hit us up on that hashtag who you got this weekend for the big college football playoff experience we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back do not adjust your dial, or well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating, enlightening, and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. And check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. Two, three, four. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for another segment here on the ODPH podcast. And time to talk a little basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport. The NBA has kicked off their first week, so we're going to do our uh, reactions to what we've seen thus far. I know it's way too early to make any predictions about the season, but hey, we have to commentate of what we've seen. And I think the biggest game that has uh, really caught our attention is what is going on with the L.A. Clippers? Yo, what the fuck? Yeah, the 50-point uh, blowout at halftime and yeah. then how that game ended up. Coach, what is your thoughts on this? I just think it's uh, obviously a game where... You know, uh, Kawhi was out, 
and it was a Paul George-led Clipper team, that shows that why Kawhi Leonard is arguably one of the best players in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely bonkers. I know you texted us uh, on Sunday when it was going down, and I was like, I need to find if this game is on TV someplace. Uh, it was on NBA TV, and I, I flipped it over uh, for the, their halftime coverage, and Isaiah Thomas was doing half doing halftime with this, and they, they went to Isaiah, and they're like, you know, have you ever seen anything like this? And Isaiah Thomas goes, no, he goes into all the years I, you know, coached and pretty pl- goddamn close though in a Nick Nick Celtic game though where they lost yeah. like 101 to 63. You know, but he's like I've ne- he's like I've never seen anything like that. Just for perspective, how, how convenient he forgot that. <clears throat> you know, pers- just for perspective, the LA Clippers scored as many points in the entire game that the Dallas Mavericks put up in the first half. Yeah, it was just I just couldn't believe it. That was it was crazy. It is absolutely wild to think about because I know that the Lakers are the team to beat in that. Sure, and there there's no question of that. But how do you only drop 27 points in that first half? I oh god, I have no like idea. it just doesn't make sense for professionals to be doing this. Like, I mean, that, dude, just you're cold. Yeah, no, there's, well, there's cold, but that, yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the at the Lakers, the Clippers, and they're plus minus. There, let me see how many people are actually in a positive on the plus minus here. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, nobody. Everybody's on the minus. Yeah, it was absolutely wild to see coming out of the gate. That I know it's like way too early, and and Grand Paul George owned up to it. He said he'd take full responsibility. We'll Has to say, Christ, <laughs> yeah. for the, as a team, they were four for thirty three from the three point line. Yeah, it's absolutely wild to see that. And especially, like, I can't emphasize enough the pro level to see that kind of score. Like, we see that from time to time in college. Sure. And even, you know, high schools, we've seen sure. that too. But at the pro level, like, come on. Like, that's absolutely bonkers to yep. see. Yeah. Can't wrap my head around that. What other teams have really jumped out the gate that really caught your attention, Pat? Uh, well, I know Coach is going to mention it, but just real quick, just how the Knicks did the other night. hey 20, 20 To the ship! 20 point, 20 point win against the Bucks. Good for them. Here we go. That's right. That was a dominating performance against the Bucks. They ain't scared of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I ain't scared to say his name. Break so it down. they ain't afraid to play them. I mean, I don't know. It's just the Knicks clicked. Alfred Payton dropped 25 after everybody was calling for his goddamn head. It's been nuts. Knicks Twitter has been absolutely off the hook because everybody was like, how do you bring in Alfred Payton? I know I called him Emmanuel Moutier last week on the show, so my bad, bro. But anyway, Alfred Payton has played absolutely terrible and all of a sudden just comes out and lights it up him and frank nilakina seven for seven from three so yeah julius randall 29 points himself and fucking frank nilakina were seven for seven from three wrap your head around that guys because that's crazy no I, I i went to the Knicks subreddit and they were just going they didn't know what the hell to do with themselves they're like <laughs> what do we do i i never expected this how, how, how do i handle this uh Giannis didn't even play in the fourth quarter right he barely played i think he played four minutes and they took him out yeah that's great good for the Knicks. they what? played him perfectly defensively julius randall plugged the middle up and they had everybody they literally just said all right uh Outside shooters, you beat us because we are not going. I mean, they let uh, uh, the one of the Lopez shot like seven threes and mm-hmm. only made one of them. So just a smart game plan from the Knicks. But that's why you brought Tom Thibodeau in. Exactly. Like, that was a quintessentially. That's a Tibbs game. That's a t- exactly. That was a. And you know the other thing that I'm liking about them right now too is what the Knicks are doing. Is Tibbs is telling them to push the ball, sure. which is not something that he was doing in Chicago. So he has obviously evolved a little bit from his time in Chicago to now, which is something that was huge because going into the season, I was a little worried about if Tibbs would try and play 2004 basketball in 2020. 
and he's not doing that. He's playing 2020 ball in 2020, which is perfect. And this Knicks team, although I know, listen, I know like we're optimistic right now, but we take our wins when we yeah, get that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got a better record than the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, I mean, this is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to le- you no. know, like lead to anything as far as like a playoff run or anything. Allegedly. Yeah. But I again, I just this Knicks team can be competitive. I said that in the in our preview show that I think that if the Knicks play perfect games and play very well in games, they will steal some wins and they will be competitive. Sure. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they could be in the flirting with the eighth seed. So, I mean, let's go. That's all we're kind of really expecting from them this season anyway. But this was a strong win. And I know it's still early, but still, this was the team that we were saying, okay, could they show up and can we start seeing more of this? Thibodeau is doing his magic, so I, I give him full credit for this. This was a strong win. I know, obviously, the sky is not falling in Milwaukee. It's way too early because we've only played, what, three games for each team thus far? Yeah, I yeah, believe maybe, so, yeah. maybe a couple have played four. A couple played I four. I mean, there's really a lot to just soak in, but coming out the gate, the Knicks have not looked the worst. I know everybody has been talking about Brooklyn as right. the second coming coming right. out the gate, which... Yeah, Kevin Durant's gotten dunked on twice. Yeah, and they, lost, they had a bad loss to Charlotte, so... I yeah. feel better about myself. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I don't think you can say give them the chip already. They Have they played well? Yeah, they have played well together thus far. But we are still in that infancy stage where oh. we don't know how this team is going to grow. I mean, here's the other thing. I mean, Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly have been out yeah. for the last two day, th- th- two games. Mm. So, I mean, we don't even know what we're going to get from them. And that is exciting because Quickly played great in that opening game against uh, in that first round, in that first play, in that first day game, uh, until he got hip checked by I can't remember who the hell hip checked him, but it was a it was a power forward and it just knocked him out of the game, which is unfortunate. And I mean they're doing the right thing by giving him time to rest because you know what do you need him for right now? You don't you don't. So be safe, let him heal, and then bring him back in the lineup when you're ready. And I mean it's only inevitable that he will take the starting spotting starting point guard spot, which is going to be fantastic because he is a he is a perfect point guard. For Thibodeau, yeah, and Obi Toppin obviously is right there on the cusp of, uh, of of transitioning from rookie into playing, you know, pretty well. Um, obviously, he's got to find his jump shot, but that happens with rookies, you know, out the gate. Some of them just don't find the range right yet, so that will come. And I mean, Julius Randle's playing really well and making himself a very, very, I think, uh, arguably, probably pretty good uh, topic for trade discussions come the trade deadline. So. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it can definitely help. I mean, obviously, with the Knicks, you don't know what you're going to get, and especially for a team like Brooklyn, who's already experienced the, the injury. Bug. Oh, I don't even want to fucking talk about them. That's no. why I went back to the Knicks. Because whatever. I mean, yeah, all right, great. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are playing really well together, and they're clicking, and they Honey look great. Face. Yeah, and everything's happy, but that's what happens with all Kyrie teams. No, I, I grant you, but yeah. where I was going to go with this is, okay. obviously, they experienced a bad injury. Sure. But I don't oh, think... Oh, Spencer Dinwiddie? Yeah. yeah. So, obviously... The injury bug has already came around, but I don't think it affects any team more right now than Jay Morant getting hurt down oh, Memphis. Sucked. Yeah. Yes. Two to three yeah. weeks though. So not as not a, not a terrible timetable for return. Obviously it hurts Memphis because they rely so heavily on him, but right. it sucks. It, it, you don't want to see a rookie go down with an ankle problem because then you, you start to think Steph Curry and you know long long longevity of ankle issues. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something you don't want to see on anybody. And especially like I say, it, it looked a lot worse and I'm glad it's it's not as bad. Speaking of my surprise team, Golden State. Oh yikes. They are missing Clay Thompson like you would not believe. So Break much. It down, Pat. I mean Whoa. fuck. 
Well, you had the what was the opening game where they lost to uh, Brooklyn. Uh, they're currently sitting blown one, out by Brooklyn. They're blo- yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pulling up their schedule right now, so I don't have. Uh, yeah, so they lost their opening night to Brooklyn, 125 to 99. Uh, then the, the couple nights, a couple days later on Christmas Day, they lost to Milwaukee in Milwaukee, 138 to 99. Uh, and then just last, just the other night, they beat Chicago in Chicago, 129 to 128. So. Definitely not the start they no, were looking No, because Chicago for. was playing well in that game and had every reason to win that game until they let down down the stretch. Right. Um, I I just I don't know. I really thought the Kelly Oubre trade uh, or signing whatever it was was going to be the the uh, piece that was going to help heal the Clay Thompson loss. Right. Obviously, you can't you can't speak for a guy who averages twenty five points a night and shoots you know f- damn near sixty percent from three. You can't fill that void. Like, right. that's just – but I thought at least Oubre would be a Band-Aid that would help patch up, you know, that injury. Yeah, um, but, it, but he's not the guy. He's not, he's not the guy. No. And Andrew Wiggins has looked like Andrew Wiggins of old. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't help. That doesn't help anything because he's, he's just not playing well offensively. And, but the, the shining thing is Wiseman. Yeah, Wiseman has came out the game he's strong. He's played great. I, I The uh, Woban, uh, the guy, NBA Twitter guy – uh, talked about the fact that we've only seen him play in two uh, high, college games, right. And one preseason game because I I don't th- I think he got hurt and didn't play in the preseason much. And he's playing this well, so he's played three competitive basketball games in the last like year and a half, and he looks this good out the gate. Well, this is why he came in with all the hype about being the number one pick. Yeah, it's just he's backing it up right now. I mean, it's very very early, but. For Golden State, they have to be extremely happy with what they've seen thus far. And it was smart not to see. Here's the thing with Golden State: like differently than Boston, when they were making uh, their run with their core three, you know, when they had the big three, and they were trading draft picks like they were, you know, going out of style. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is that Golden State needed an injection of youth right. on that team. You know, like you you only can go so far with veterans until you need that little split of you know hey here's a rookie who's coming in hot um and that's exactly what Wiseman does for this team is that he just injects a little bit of youth into these vets that you know I'm not to say that Steph Curry is like you know a 40 plus year veteran but you know he he there's tread on the tires. yeah there's tread on the tires so these young guys come in who can excite your your locker room and your and your bench area and start to have a spark on the team which is what they desperately needed right and and he's playing well enough to fit in, which yeah. is the other X factor. Because, you know, on the flip side of it, you know, while we are Knicks people, you know, you look at the Knicks, they have the youth, but now they need the veteran presence to kind of take them and push them to that next level. Um, which is why I will say every day for the rest of my life that these trade that, that these draft picks need to become trade assets and not draft asset, uh, yeah. the assets. And but that's what Golden State did the opposite of. You know, they had traded first round picks for so long that when they had that bad season, everybody pegged them to trade that first pick. Mm-hmm. No, they're not going to take a rookie. You know, They need a veteran presence, the blah, 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 blah. No, they held on to that pick, and now they've arguably probably found the guy to replace Draymond Green when he inevitably either gets traded or released because I don't see – you know, he's hurt right now. Defensively, he adds something to the team, but not offensively. And, you know, he could be a trade value to, to for an expiring contract. Um, so I, that's kind of where I think Golden State's going to go, and but they can start to build around Wiseman in the future. They definitely can make some while moves they with while they slowly wait for Steph and Clay to you know inevitably you know retire. You know, which makes a lot of sense, obviously, because Golden State knows that 
their window of being the dynasty is, real small. is, is very small and transitioning. Oh, well, I mean, sh- yeah, yeah, it's transitioning right now. Yeah. It, the, door, the, the original run as we know it is shut. Yes. So they are definitely making moves for the future. And a lot of the teams that we see in the NBA and the, the upper echelon right now are doing the same thing. I mean, you see Cleveland, or Orlando, and Indiana, and the Hawks 3-0 and out the gate. A lot of young talent on that team. And then even flip it to the West where it's everybody is 2-1 and one for the most part. And then the, the overall standards in the playoffs are 1-2 and two right now. Yeah. With the exception of Houston, who hasn't won a game. But that's a whole other – I mean, where do you even go from there? I don't even know. I mean, Christian Wood, where is he? I mean, how nuts of that? The relegated the bench in Detroit, you know, signed in Houston for, you know, roughly a, a, a minimum deal for what he was uh, eligible for getting. Mm-hmm. And he's playing at an all-star level right now. I mean, talk about another team that could inevitably make the transition um, from, you know, their star in James Harden because that's what Wood's offering right now. Yeah. Obviously, I, I mean, let's see the volume. We got to see the body work. Right. Let's see what he does over 72 games. But, you know, if they do make this James Harden move, which I obviously think is inevitable, uh, you know, can they build around Wood is the question. That's going to be the ultimate question. And, boy, I don't know. Like, right now, it's anybody's guess. It really is. It's still early out the gate, though. I mean, that's the one thing we, we can't emphasize enough. But from what we've seen, is there any team that we really think is, like, on the cusp of really making a run right now? I mean, not not this point of time right no, now it's still I mean, too early still it's very early i mean portland you know obviously is another team that that could be a contender and denver obviously will will um do something it, the memphis thing is going to be the most interesting because that team relied so much on john morant that if he's down for these two to three weeks you know are they going to be able to get some wins um that are going to help them in the playoffs because it's it's this early part of the season that if you're able to to pile on wins makes that second half of the season that much easier. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be, you know, pretty telling because if they can't, you know, and, and they and they have a bad two to three weeks without him, you know, that's going to really set them behind the eight ball because, you know, obviously New Orleans looks good um, and Phoenix is playing well. So, Phoenix you know, there's, really well yeah, right there's, there's two more teams that you got to add to this mix right now that, you know, are going to be fighting for the, la- you know, the bottom three playoff spots that if John Morant's out and they go, I don't know how many games they play then – from now but if they only win like 25 percent of them that's going to put them behind the eight ball because phoenix is going to win some games in the meantime and i think everybody has to keep their eye on the lakers so we'll kind of close out with that i mean what's your feeling about the world champions coming out the gate i mean obviously uh they're playing very well you know anthony davis missed last week last game and they still played well without him um but they they are they're his team yeah i mean that is that is clear as day. That is where this team is going. I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting. I know they're two and two. Uh, they lost their opener uh, to the Clippers. Then they went and won two in a row. They beat Dallas, and then they beat Minnesota, and they just lost to Portland uh, last night. It's going to be very interesting just because of the, the turnaround. That normally there's that you know long layoff between the end of the season and then the start of the season. You kind of like build yourself back into it. And I know they're professionals, but you know guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis, they're they're creatures of habit, like any of us. That they're used to a schedule, they're used to the way things go, and and things are upended a little bit. So you know might not be a ban. You know when I say banner year, I don't mean championship year, but like might not be a year that you're used to for them. There might be a few more losses than normal. But I kind of just chalk it up to it's it's another you know unusual season for the NBA. 
Absolutely. I mean, that's the easiest takeaway you can have from it. I mean, there was a lot of headlines that we had that just kind of came out that snuck in there a little bit, and we're still kind of getting the feel of how the season is going to go because obviously we just started out with about four games max for some teams, and we're really going to get a sense of, okay, where is these teams ranking up right now? Is the Lakers the real deal? Is the, Are the Knicks going to capitalize on that big win against Milwaukee? <laughs> and ride it all the way to an NBA Finals. We can dream, folks. This is what we do here on the ODPH. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the NBA season thus far? How is your team doing? Let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. I just want to get it. I just want to comprehend that I have to make amends with the Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And time to round the bases, Pad. Got a few things to talk about because and first, uh, well, not a few things. Got one thing to talk about, uh, that being baseball, because while it's been relatively quiet and the hot stove and baseball offseason, San Diego decided to give that a swift swift kick in the pants. A uh, couple of trades they made over the weekend, uh, first of which was they traded with the Tampa Bay Rays uh, to acquire Blake Snell uh, in return for players, uh, so a couple players, uh, that being Luis Patino, Blake Hunt, Cole Wilcox, and Francisco Mija. Uh, and then they weren't done. Uh, they traded with the Chicago Cubs to acquire you Darvish uh, for a bunch of players I've never heard of. And then they've also weren't done yet. Uh, they went and got uh, a South Korean player by the name of Ha Sung Kim, uh, who signed for, with them for at least four years and roughly $25 million. So San Diego go clearly going all in, you know, if, if we're using poker terms. Uh, so definitely going for broke. On the flip side, Chicago seems to be in a fire sale now that yeah. Theo Epstein's gone, uh, trading you Darvish. Uh, and then according to Bob Nightingale of the USA Today, who said, quote, the Chicago Cubs, after trading you Darvish and non-tendering Kyle Schwarber, are now extensively shopping catcher Wilson Contreras. Contreras is projected to earn at least $5 million and perhaps as much as $7.4 million in salary arbitration. So Epstein's gone. They're blowing up the team. That's crazy. I yeah. mean, making a lot of moves suddenly. And, yeah. And it's for San Diego. Well, so that, that uh, NL West division is going to be real sexy next Yo, year. That's going to be wild them out there. Ver- them versus the Dodgers for like, what is it, like 18, 20 games Ooh. or something? Give me that. Give it that all day. It's going to be on primetime a lot. As it should. I mean, that's box office right there. Oh, yeah. And that's something that I think the NL needs, too. Yes. Because, obviously, you, Boston and the Yankees overshadow sure, sure. so much. Yeah. But not saying, you know, it's apples and oranges, but still produce. Yes. Also, one thing before I forget, we do have to wish uh, some sad news to pass along. Uh, Hall of Fame pitcher Phil Negro uh, passed away uh, in between recordings last week. Famous for the knuckleball pitch. Uh, passed away at the age of 81. Pitch for the Braves. The, uh, I know the, the Yankees and a whole bunch of other teams. So, well wishes to him and his family. Yeah, condolences to his family, friends, and fans all over the world. Coach... Yeah, I mean, and uh, also some somber uh, news. Uh, Jonathan Huber, um, a.k.a. Uh, most recently known as Brody Lee, who worked uh, the WWE uh, for a long time under the name of Luke Harper, uh, passed away on December 26th. Uh, his wife uh, put a social media statement out there. Uh, Brody had been um, kind of battling some sort of illness uh, for the better part of about three or four months. Um, and un- unfortunately passed away due to that in December. Um, 
obviously a lot of wrestlers have uh, gone to their social media to pass along some positivity uh, in this tragic time of, of memories that they've had of John, you know, AKA Brody. Um, if you, you know, if you do, if you're a fan of wrestling and, and you haven't seen it uh, and you heard the news, you know, I, I would definitely go check out Big E's uh, Twitter account. He's mm. been posting some really, you know, uh, nice stories um, that have been pretty uh, uplifting, you know, in a time of tragedy. You know, I mean, my, the, the way we always view death in my family is that it, it, you know, the person's no longer suffering or in pain. So we try to put a positive spin on it and that's what, you know, these guys are doing. Um, so it's definitely, um, uh, nice to see uh, from the all sounds of things. It sounds like AEW too. uh, you know, who I give a lot of, a lot of shit to, I, I will refrain from doing that for the foreseeable future because from all intents and purposes, it sounds like they're going to try their best to, uh, take care of, uh, his, uh, widowed spouse now. Um, and their kids, uh, yeah. with honoring, I don't, I mean, uh, the details aren't necessarily known yet, but it sounds like they're going to do their best to, to make sure that the family's taken care of probably honoring his contract in some way, which is pretty outstanding because not a lot of wrestling companies do that. You no. know? And especially in an industry where there's a lot of shitty people, it sounds like John was one of the good ones. So it definitely yeah. is sad, uh, to see this happen and AEW is going to be doing in lieu of, you know, in light of this happening, uh, they're going to be doing a special card on Wednesday night instead mm-hmm. of their, uh, they were going to do a new year's bash. They're now going to do, uh, a Brody Lee tribute night where it's going to be all of his, uh, you know, the guys that were in his, uh, the dark order, uh, plus, uh, one of his dream matchups, which is going to be Cody Rhodes, orange Cassidy and number 10 versus team Taz, which I guess is one of his dream tag teams that he wanted to see in a match. So that's going to be, you know, pretty cool to see. And, uh, you know, obviously there's other matches that he also dreamt of seeing, uh, that are going to be on the card and, uh, be, uh, their YouTube channel being the elite posted uh, a nice tribute video. Uh, my wife and I watched it. It was a really nice, funny thing to see, uh, the character that John was, uh, the funny, uh, his funny nature, you know, a, a gentle giant, you know, um, so that will be, that would be really that would, I, I suggest you go watch it. You know, like if you haven't seen it and you're a wrestling fan and you know, whether you're a WWE guy or an AEW guy or whatever you are, like it doesn't matter at this time, you know, I recommend going out of your way and watching that video. Um it's a it's a fitting tribute, you know, to a guy who sounds like, you know, had a lot of humor in his heart and a lot of positivity. So go out and watch it and uh watch the show. You know, I mean that's really it's really it. Yeah. Uh when Pat opened up the show and he said it's Tuesday and you know what that means. That's uh, always something that Brody used to post on his Twitter. Because he was mandated by WWE to post uh, something. Yeah. And he never, you know, he did an interview. He's like, I never knew what to post, so I just would post the day of the week. Yeah. And you know what that means. And he was always a staple here in, in our area of town. Yeah, I mean, he's from Rochester. He's from Rochester. Know? and I mean, he's Upstate always, New Yorker. Yep. He used to always wrestle in uh, 2CW Squared Circle Wrestling, which always uh, came through Binghamton. So uh, Rich from 3FN knew him really well from when he worked in 2CW. Yep. Moose from Excite Wrestling knew him very well, too. Yeah, he was on the first Excite car. Moose right. had a really great story on yeah. his Facebook page I think, about I, that. I think Moose posted that full match on uh, on Facebook or yes, something. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. definitely check out the Excite Facebook page to see that match. Yeah, and just the stories they have about him. And, and you can go through all of social media, and AEW wrestlers, WWE wrestlers are all just – tweeting stories and and just how great of this person John was and just the stories they have on him and just you know the positive effects they had on him or he had on them rather and like Bray Wyatt had uh one of the most like yeah. deepest trips. Yeah, Bray's yeah. Bray's I 
my the line that I popped for the most was the we were going to be doing the the Wyatt family, family gimmick on the indies when our seventies. I popped so hard for that because I you just you know like if you know wrestlers and you know like the the things of what their career turned into be you know like I you could have seen that yeah. you know like you could have seen them very well doing that and that would have been hilarious the one i'd say i like the one story i forget who the wrestler was i know they're in wwe still but i forget i can't remember who it was but i like the one story they would tell where they don't they always hang out with him backstage and they talk with him and he'd frequently pull up a chair and he'd go oh here you go uh something taker and and john would just go you're gonna get some heat on me kid there kid yeah i i love that one i i the other thing i loved was that uh cm punk announced that all proceeds from the sale of his shirts on pro wrestling tees for the next month will be donated to uh, same, yes. John's, John's family. Same with McFoley. Yeah, McFoley. I was just going to say, just did that same. No, I, but this this one really hit me just because it came out Saturday, and I know there have been a lot of big wrestlers that have passed since I started watching wrestling, but this for me was the first one that at least I can remember that I watched on TV that I that had passed. You know, like I said, there have been other ones who passed away, but they were from before I watched, so there wasn't that connection. Yeah. But th- this was a guy that I had watched on TV now for the better part of, you know, five, six years, that he was a part of one of my favorite openings of Monday Night Raw, where it was like the eight-man elimination team, where it was, you know, you had Team Extreme, Wyatt Family, League of Nations, you know, and then Roman and, and his crew coming in, that it was, it was just one of the most bonkers at starts of Monday Night Raw, you can find it on on YouTube if you dig it up. It, you know, it, it, he's definitely a guy that I I now realize I underappreciated. That I never had the opportunity to meet him, but I'd always heard from, you know, Sean Carr and Joe Gacy and and Rob Cook and and some of the guys that excite just how good he was and how great a guy he was. And and it was definitely a guy that like I I took for granted with WWE just because he never got put in a, in a huge position and he never was world champion or universal champion or anything like that. That I'm now realizing. I, I definitely, you know, didn't realize it's it, like the saying goes. You don't know what you got until it's gone. Yeah, no, he obviously like from Rich will always have stories about him, and and so did Moose, and and I know that tomorrow as we're going to be recording six oh seven TWS on Twitch and for the podcast, I know Rich is going to you know probably share some of those stories too as well. This just was such a heartbreaking loss, and it just you know hearing about just the impact he had on everybody, and to see. The you know every wrestler has come out and said something positive about right. him. I mean, it is just it goes to show just how much of an impact he had, and this just always reminds you just to appreciate every single day. Well, that's no why that's why I said the in an industry of shitty people. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, just there's so many stories of just wrestlers just being assholes, and and it's just it's a shitty industry. I mean, I love wrestling. It's just it doesn't lend yeah. itself to people of you know, good hearted nature because it's such a venomous, you know, thing, you know, it's a cutthroat industry where, you know, it's kill or be killed Mm. and all those other cliches, you know, all those other things you can say. And he was a, he was one of the good ones, you know, and you just, you don't see those kind of guys in that kind of industry very often where, I mean, uh, and one more, you know, tidbit was Kevin Owens, you know, posted on his Twitter, or I think it was Big E, it was Big E again, who said, you know, when he retired, his goal was to start traveling the world and finding talent and signing them and putting them over. That's just something that you don't, like, there hasn't been many guys who have thought of, you know, the future and what, you know, what wrestling was going to lead to and what he could discover and put other guys over. It's a, it's a me, 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 me world. And he was definitely one that obviously from the sounds of it was a shining light. Yeah. And like I say, just hearing the stories from Moose and Rich and Diesel, I forgot Diesel, uh, 
uh, knew him well too from two CW. Oh my God, I bet you the two of them running together. Right? Oh yeah, the story. The story is like I say, <laughs> I mean, I, Diesel alone. But then when you probably put that, you know, put John with him, it was probably a recipe for disaster. Yeah, oh, you, can, you can only imagine the the, yeah. the stories with that. Like I say, I I know Rich is going to be addressing it over on uh, six or seven TWS this week, so you definitely want to tune in for that because, like I say. If you if you knew independent wrestling up here, you knew Brody and just the amazing stories are you know just something he's known for. And this is just one of those losses that is just really hitting us all very hard. And obviously, yeah. our deepest condolences go out to his family, friends, and fans all over the world. It's just it's a it's a really terrible loss that we're all experiencing, and just it reminds us you know just really live every day to the yep. fullest. And the tribute show is going to be on TNT uh, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Yep. yep. So the card, uh, I know Tony Khan tweeted it out. I'll repost it on our uh, Twitter account as well, too, so you can definitely tune in. Make sure to tune in and check it out because it's going to be a great night of wrestling for that. So switching gears, uh, we're going to talk a little UFC because there's been some card announcements and one fight has been canceled, unfortunately. So Chimea versus Leon Edwards is not going to be taking place in January. Bummer. Uh, Chimea had a pullout. Uh, for an undisclosed reason. So damn, I, I was Bummer. really looking forward to that. Oh, I was too. And then Leon Edwards decided to call out uh, Jorge Masvidal. Oh, and say, oh shit! And say something. I'm not oh. repeating on here because I do not man's want that a, heat with Masvidal. Man's got a death wish. Oh, he does. Um, so that fight's going to happen sooner than later. No one should may have. So it, it's an undisclosed reason. So it's it's probably a minor injury that's you know it's going to just be. some him inhibiting his training. Right. Then they did announce that there is going to be two more fights happening. Kevin Holland, who has been tearing it up in uh, 2020 with the five fights this year, is booked to fight uh, Derek Brunson in March. Uh, so that's going to be on a fight night main event. And Amanda Nunez and Megan Anderson has been rescheduled for March 6th as well. Okay. So there's definitely some fights to keep track of. And obviously the one we have circled on the calendar is Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier 2 which has been announced for Fight Island oh. on January 23rd. So I know there's a little question of where it was going to be held. It has now been fully announced that it's going to be on Fight Island. So definitely stay tuned for that. So let us lock and leap this show and take it home. So, Pad, who you got? Uh, look, start with my lock. I'm looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Atlanta Falcons game. Currently, Tampa Bay is favored by 6.5. I think they'll be able to pull that one off. Uh, and then my leap, I, I struggle with this one. There's a lot of games that I just couldn't stomach going for my leap. But... I figure this one I might have a shot with. Uh, Looking at that Sunday night game, Washington currently favored by one and a half. Now, as we mentioned, Dwayne Haskins no longer with the Washington football team. Uh, Alex Smith is penciled in as their starter, asterisk if he can play. If he can't, uh, it's a gentleman by the name of Taylor Henneke, who is uh, in his fourth season out of Old Dominion. Uh, For his career, he has 467 passing yards and only two touchdowns with uh, 48 completed passes. I think if Alex Smith can't go and it's Taylor Henneke, Washington probably not going to win that game. Uh, so I think uh, Philly's going to be able to pull out the win. And re- I think they'll really want to play spoiler come Sunday night, given how the Giants-Cowboys game went. And just, oh, we really got a chance to mess with Washington's chances to, to make the playoffs here. Why don't we throw a, a wrench into that? It's completely possible. Not down that one bit. Coach, who you got? I'm holding mine till we find out who is and who isn't playing. Swerve, didn't see that coming, did you? I'm not making a pick on Tuesday because we don't know who's going to be in the lineups and who's not. So I'm waiting, and I'll post on the Facebook page when we know who's in and who's out because I am not going to get held up picking a Bucks team that's six-and-a-half-point favorites to find out that Tom Brady's not playing and in comes 
Uh, I forget who their backup is, but it's not anybody good, and that's who they're playing while Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are all sitting the bench. Tampa Bay's still in the thick of it, though. I don't think no, they're thank you. Brady. Well, I'm just saying, hypothetically, like that's something that I'm not going to do, so I will hold out until I find out who is and who is out. Okay. Fair enough. I'll let you do that because we'll definitely be posting that in the 607 bracket on our Facebook page. So you definitely want to check that out. Link is on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. But for me, I ain't scared. I'm going to post my lock right now. And that is going to be shout out to our guy JVD over at Crossover Collision. Aaron Rodgers, five and a half point favorites over Chicago. A.A. Ron. Yes. For the number one seed, lock that baby in. Okay. He's going to definitely take the win. I can see this be by at least one touchdown. At least one. And for my leap, Coach. Uh-oh. Those New York Giants Uh-oh. are two-and-a-half-point dogs. To, for a reason. And you know what? How about them, New York Giants? Mm, yeah. So I'm going to take them. Okay. Over Dallas. I'm, 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 getting, I'm giving you some underdog positivity. He's either going to love you or put you through a table. No, I'm not going to be. I mean, that's just a, that's a gutsy pick because <laughs> let me tell you something. They're not playing really good football. They're not playing good, but this is a thing <laughs> that Joe Judge, I think, is going to get them ready for it. All right. That's what I'm going off of. I know that Dallas had a great win last week, and I'm not taking anything away from that. But to repeat that success against division rivals is always tough. I think Joe Judge is going to wield some kind of weird magic out of this, and he's going to get them into the playoffs, being your NFC East champions. All right. Because I agree with Pat. I think that Philly is going to pull the upset off against Washington. Guess we'll have to wait and see what happens on Sunday, shall we? Yep. So the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH is out of Brian Wolf of Fair City Fire. Now, Pad, you know what Brian is doing on Wednesday nights, right? Uh, doing live streaming some music. Yes, he is on his Patreon. Where do you find that link? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's right. You head on over to the music section. You can check out everything going on with Brian, everything going on with Second Suitor, because Tyler is also doing a concert on Facebook as well. It's an acoustic set celebrating three years of Second Suitor. You can find the link there. You can check out what's going on with Tom Jolu because he's got a bunch of brand new music coming out in the new year. I cannot wait for everybody to hear that. You can also check out Floodland, Shout of the Robots, and all the great music you hear right on the ODPH. So it's simple. You can go download it. Go support them because they're amazing people as well. You can also check out the directory, which has friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, such as Moose from Excite Wrestling, and also organizational link support in Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing pod groups we are in via their Podchaser pages, because I say it once, I say it a thousand times. If you're in a group and you're not on Podchaser, you're not in a group. Sorry, just putting it out there. It's like Facebook official. So definitely shout out to all of our friends and supporters over at Pod Nation, the Legion Independent Podcast, Alternate Reality Radio, The Apocalypse, and of course, hashtag 607 Podcast, and our good friends over at 8122 Productions, Rich Ron, Mike C and hashtag Big Natty Cool still on Twitter, Pat. Uh oh, Coach, he's still on Twitter. Good, I, I it's agree. Enjoyable. Too. He's very enjoyable. But if you want the full Diesel effect, hashtag that up. Is, well, that, is Big Daddy the Cool going to be there uh, for the counter fight? Yes. Oh man, the counter fight. Like <laughs> I might want to prep Aaron for yeah, that. Yeah, we might, might want to age gate that uh, live stream. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll see if we can put it behind a Patreon wall. So if you want to find out what exactly we're talking about, oh, $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you, gets you a comfy seat at the table. Anything else, you got to take up with Diesel. All of that and so much more, you can find at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all we got for 2020. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and fuck 2020. For the one and only Padawan J. Roll Tide. Oh! Wow! 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 wow.
The heel turn. Why? Why? The heel turn. Why? Why would you do that? Wow. Dude. For this reaction alone. Why? (laughs) Damn, we might need to set that Patreon up right now because Coach's response is going to get ugly. That was not cool. Not cool. Wow. Fuck, man. I'm your host, Ken M. How the hell do I top that? Not cool. (laughs) Not cool. Thank you for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next year, folks. Have a safe and happy new year.